Hi, my name is James Taylor. And my name is Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This week on the pod, S1E6, Lost and Found. How'd this episode grab you, Marco? Uh, better than last week's? I'd say it was an improvement. I think just in terms of pacing, it mm. felt more, or I should say it felt less choppy than the mm. previous episode, which really seemed uneven. Um, it still has that thing that the show has where in every scene there's at least one, if not more details where you're just like, what the fuck? And mm-hmm. not in a good way, not in a wow, so crazy way, but just like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like that just like no logical and rational person would ever like agree that that makes sense. There is a glaring fallacy of logic at the very beginning of this episode. And then there's a thing at the end of the episode that I don't know if that's supposed to be a game changer or a throwaway surrealist joke. Yeah, yeah, the the pig man thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it's just it's weird. It's like almost like there was a rule in the writing room like no lampshades. You know, like there's so many moments when it's like you could make you could try to make this make sense, but you're just not for some reason. No. <laughs> it's like okay. But I feel like the chemistry between at least two of the perfs works better here. Yeah. Um, it does make me think that if you have a kind of a a threesome, you know, grouping as opposed to foursome, I think that there's a lot more like weird tension when, when two are when together. Two are, one. Yeah, yeah, you know, two can or what's this phrase? Um, you know, two's company, three's crowd. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's weird. It's not like there's four of them, so it doesn't really matter. Two of them are getting along better than the other, or something, you know, because it's like there's more balance there. Yeah, like Ava and Dylan are super, super chummy, and now Caitlin seems like the the odd one out, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and and Ava's character is basically turning out to be a little bit nuts, and Dylan's he works. I, well I don't know what Dylan is. D- Dylan he works well along with that, but yeah. Caitlin, I was like, things aren't doing anyone any favors in this episode because they're not even really going into like. Her personal thing. I don't feel like it's quite spelled out. We're not hitting like the emotional core of it anyway. It's Caitlin. Some room scenes is like as soon as they're sooner they're over the better. Caitlin's character so far, it's it really is kind of a somewhat Spencer Hastings kind of like type A personality, but without any of the mania that Spencer brought. It's like she seems like a very well acted and kind of like you know, human character who's just not interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there's no X factor where it's like, Oh man, or like her personality is on overdrive now. Like there's not that intensity there. She just seems like a normal person, you know, caught up in like weird shit going on, which is crazy when you think about it. Cause the whole, the whole purpose of the show is that you're in this fucking collegiate factory that's supposed to harden you all into diamonds that's not what and i like though but but they've done that so well with spencer on her own yeah. and it's like look what you created and then yeah somehow caitlin i mean like it's presented as caitlin's like the most well adjusted and then it's like there's the stuff with her moms and it, like there's no what's the what's the negative outside of that of like pretending everything's great and, and you know, like Caitlin's like, oh, I'm a high achiever, but I'm also running away from everything in my life. I don't know. She seemingly it, has it all. Maybe related to that, it kind of reminds me of when we had 
Troy and on, and she kind of talked about how the show, it always has to exist in this like incredibly high intensity, like tone mm-hmm. where like, then like getting to that place was always difficult on set. But I think they have pretty much always managed like this kind of like, there's always a sense of mania and paranoia and like, Oh shit. Like constantly on PLL. And it, well, I was to say PLL did a great job writing Spencer. Mm-hmm. Bar none. No, but not, no doubt not, not just Spencer. Though. I mean, the whole show though, had this feeling of intensity you know it's over the top but it, it kind of made sense for the world that it's in whereas i feel like this show's less intense which makes it kind of weird when we're supposed to care about certain things because it just doesn't seem like the stakes are as high but also so spencer's written brilliantly the show gets her they approve of her once they realize what spencer was they put all the eggs in that basket wonderfully also you had an actor who's like this character is a little bit me like I, I get, I get this character. Like I can bring some things maybe from my personal life into this, and like we can really go places. And I don't know. I mean, like I don't think Sydney Park's a bad actor. It's just well, she's we're not getting portraying there. the character fine. It's just to me, it's it's not about the performance. It's about the character on the page isn't the that definition. interesting. Yeah, it's like she's just a good student who has some kind of you know, minor shit going on. That's not really that extreme or, you know, scandalous in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's like, Oh, she has to cover for her mom. And well, and somehow it's not making it like all these extra things aren't making it more interesting. The mom stuff, the fact that she's being blackmailed by her ex-boyfriend, the fact that her short other ex-boyfriends also now blackmailing her, that her other boyfriends are British rocket scientists with big hair. I mean, it's like, it's not, I don't know. And we're not getting those moments to breathe in her weirdness. And so the little bit, the little quirky bits that would shine on PLL, like, oh, you're such a rose. To me, like they, some of them fall like a thud. Yeah. Anyway, so, overall, though, I do think this episode better. was a step up from the last one. It, it at least it felt more like the tone and the vibe that a PLL spinoff show should have. It wasn't like completely weird and choppy and like not making any sense. Like it was like, oh, okay, there's like an away mission. You got to go sewer and something weird happens and we're cross cutting and there's some tension. You know, it's like it's it had more of that vibe. Uh, That last episode is just I don't know. It was very bizarre. It just it seemed like we were building up to so much in episode four and then episode five just like completely off the rails. Five episode five, though, felt like some kind of like Frankenstein in the editing room. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder what was excised and in general is it intentional i mean is this is it written this way there seems like there's so many 80 yard lines yeah there are i don't know if that's just like they're shooting on a location or something or or did they actually have that to go back and you know it was it a technical reason that it's 80 yard or is it they rewrote the dialogue yeah is it something that they're again i wonder if there's something there's so much of it there's something that's excised you have to cover up or is it just like, okay, we're watching the edit and it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense, so let's mm-hmm. have her record this line. But it seems like every episode there's a couple of weird ADR lines. <sighs> now that that's over, let's spoil Endgame. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, real quick before we jump into the episode, brief bit of follow-up. Uh, we do have uh, comments open on all our uh, episodes on our website page, roswatchpl2.com. Uh, so people leave them occasionally. Thanks to everyone who does. It's always nice to read them. I especially like Nicole's question is Mason disassociative, which might explain his character. Um, mm. But I don't think he is. I, I think 
I think maybe different writers had different ideas of who his character was, which explains him a little bit better. Uh-huh. Um, but from we the creepy <laughs> uh, M had a couple comments on, I think these are mostly about episode four um, and episode two, the, the whole question of Allie's wallpaper and whether it was fixed off screen. Um, she seems to be of the opinion that uh, the second time Allie looks at the wallpaper is already fixed. Uh, initially is peeling away. Like she fixed it and then it like got peeled back again or something like that. Um, so that may be, and also the, the whole Caitlin being the rat thing. The dialogue is very, it's, it's vague. Like it's like when it started, you know, Nolan told me about it and it's like, the question is it, is it the relationship between Nolan and Ava or is it Ava's past? And it's vague enough that you, you could interpret it either way, which to me is that's where the problem is. It's like, what exactly are you saying? Hmm. Anyways, that is our follow up. Also, uh, kudos for being excited to uh, read. My name is trouble. Uh, M pimp. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Start talking about that at the beginning of the episode. Um, More on also, that at the end too. Uh, is Nicole right? Did we legit ask Troyan if she could do a British accent years before Twin yeah. was revealed? I did. I mean, it wasn't anything calculated or anything like that. Like she mentioned accent. I, she mentioned something about accents, and I was just like, "Who oh, can do British accent?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do it now, though." And I was like, "Oh, never mind." Good for her. That's the exact right answer when someone. Mm-hmm. Creep asked you to do a British accent. Good for her. Um, Soul of. <laughs> I tried to watch a little bit of this Haley Aaron interview on one of these after shows, and I didn't get through all of it. Oh, yeah. um, was it just the usual? Well, I, yeah, I mean, and like the interviewer seems very nice, but like ill prepared. Um, also, was this the one where they're asking like what the Mona Taylor ship name would be? Um. They got it from a commenter, and then the, the interviewer had to like figure it out like mid question what that means, and I guess it's like Vanderkiss, yeah. which guys, what are we even trying here? Tana, I don't know. Are we even trying her? But like, I you know from the social media presence because social media is such a big thing of these things. Like a lot of these actors seem so cool. Like I totally want to hang out with them. Some of them I have. Mm-hmm. crushes onto the level that it might kill me mm-hmm. uh, and yet like he doesn't fully like translate <laughs> like they don't get to do, like be those lively personalities on the show you know like taylor doesn't seem as fun as Haley aaron granted taylor's had some issues in her life but still yeah taylor why can't you be more fun yeah so what your like, brother he, died yeah i mean if i was hanging out in a cemetery i'd be a fucking riot <laughs> i don't know it's been 20 minutes we're gonna talk about the episode let's do it all right, so we open up. We're in the hospital. It's wild. This is a, I, first of all, this is a set. Of course, it's not a set. There's such a level of detail. This is a real hospital. This like nurses oh, station yeah, area. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the level of detail is just too intense. Um, a was talking to a nurse at the nurse station. I think she says please at one point, and she's she's gotten the info. She's gonna get. She goes over and sits with Dylan, who's over a chair against the wall. You can tell they've been waiting for a while. This is like the night of Caitlin's, you know, hit and run there. And Ava says to Dylan, she's still in surgery. That's got to be a bad sign, right? And Dylan, one of these days we're going to do an episode that's just Dylan the way Dylan talks. Where no one can understand us. I mean, as long as they can still... <laughs> just like fucking Bob Dylan, Dylan, Dylan-ing his way through that. I mean, as uh, long as they still have in there, I think there's still something to do. Yeah. So, but he was like, so you're a half full kind of guy. Okay. He's like, hmm? Oh, you want to you do it? Sure, let's do it. 
<laughs> Real blood on the tracks here. Okay. Um, you're an optimist? Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so Ava, who might be a total sociopath, is is great. She tries to copy that mindset. She's like, okay, then today I will be too because I can't imagine losing somebody else. Who did uh, lose again? All right, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's an awkward moment between them as they like they want to say the same thing. And then in unison they say... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then, <laughs> yeah. I just want you to know that. I was told you about Nolan. All that fucking that we did. It's just that I didn't have time to figure it out how to say it without hurting you. Well, this is better than I thought it would be. <laughs> and I'm really sorry about what I said about Andrew in the cabin. He nods. I didn't mean, I swear, I just. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. He does this kind of crazy now. Like he knows it's all, all rather wacky. Uh, have you heard from him since? No, maybe it's better this way though. Yeah, definitely. You know, maybe if he's not around, Mason can't mess with him. He was like staring at him, and I'm, I think she's supposed to be seeing like a noble sacrifice in all this, but I'm, I'm not. I'm just trying to find some silver line in all this. Is all. And he was like, "That's adorbs." She's like, "Well, it brought us together, so I guess that's our silver lining." Not Andrew, never Andrew. And Dylan finds this adorable himself and says, "Are we together?" <laughs> It's almost. It's this is going to be so Jackson fucking Maine. annoying to listen to. It's almost Jackson Maine. <laughs> like if he went to, like if Andrew showed up at the fashion I show, I just want to like, look at you a little longer. All you got to do is trust me right now. So all you got to do, <laughs> he goes out and plays "Born This Way." <laughs> he was a better show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While jigging, <laughs> while doing the Irish jig, yes. There was something missing, and then I saw your tweet, and I was like, "That's it." <laughs> I think he wanted to do it. We'll we'll talk about that when he gets there. I, I feel like uh, Eli Cash uh, wanted to do it. That's why he didn't wear socks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Leva says, Caitlin stole Mason's phone to prove to us that we could trust her. So, yeah, we're together. Sure. Okay. So she smiles at it him. Just, it just feels like we're constantly like redefining every episode. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm trying well, to get over it. We have to do this via dialogue too, not yeah. through actions. <laughs> so these two like smile at each other, a real smile fest. Um, over Dylan's shoulder, we see two wizards have come into the scene and poke their heads around the corner. It's Alice and Amona. Uh, it's, it's those blue wizards who went to the east. Yeah. They cling to their corner watching this tender moment between Dylan and Ava. Um, it is Mona's- it is a, a weird vibe that they're just like watching. You know, <laughs> there are PLs watching the, the other show that's happening. Yeah, it's... It's too much, and I'm glad they're starting to defeat that right here. But also, I'm trying to think. So you think Allison is is some kind of like Lord of the Rings magic? I feel like Mona is like a techno mage. She's whatever the dude was in uh, in the Stevenson book. Um, you know, the Wizard of the Internet. Yeah, Enoch Root. E- no, uh, not not that one. The um the future one, the future-ish future one. one. That could hmm. I, the, the the planet could, could be a few the planet anathem anathem yeah uh he's a she's a thousander is that what you're saying what was the guy that they took uh, with Frajan? yeah the guy no, who was just like this monk of the internet yeah he wasn't the monk of the internet but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Mona starts to advance towards the purse ready to be on this show for realsies but allison grabs her wizard's sleeve cloak stopping her and she's like hey how do i explain taylor 
And Mona turns back towards the purse and really takes this moment for a walk. And she's like, you found the dead girl whose brother was killed based off a rose you found in a cabin. Or and I, miss this, I miss this part. It says in a map of Oz. In a map of Oz. Then you brought said dead girl back to Beacon Heights despite my warning, only to have her disappear again? That seems right. And she's just adorable. As Al- and also Allison's just like gritting her way through this. Like it's it's they're actually like really well paired together, I think. They are. <laughs> Uh, um, so Allison's like, well, when you say it like that, we do have a lot to worry about. <sighs> we don't even know that she's connected to all of this. So Allison decides, ah, fuck it. She marches over to the purse. Uh, Mona follows. You know, Dylan and Ava see them coming um, and stand up. In just a moment, did you did you wonder about the the blocking here of like Mona almost completely obscured by Allison? Uh, I guess I feel like that ship has kind of sailed. It would be too hard for them to to like go that way now without it being a total cheat. It seems like like Moda's interacted with too many different people. Yeah. So the question I'm, I'm referencing is, is this some way that Mona is not real? It's just that Janelle Parrish is incredibly petite. So when she mm-hmm. stands behind some people, you can't always see her. <laughs> so Allison says, hi. And Ava says, hi. And Allison says, any word. And Ava says, she's still in surgery. Mona just like jumps right in the mix with, don't worry, happened? she'll be fine. She, Got a hit by a car doing, I don't know, 50 miles an hour or whatever. She's going to be fine. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, did this awaken anything in you? Like, do you want to see if you could survive a? No, because that would fucking kill you. Oh, okay. Um, Ava immediately gives her a look like, who the fuck are you, you tiny person? Uh, and then she looks at Alice and like, who the fuck is she? And Alice is like, it's okay. She's one of us. And Mona's like, I wouldn't go that far. LOL. I've never really been a joiner, mostly because people won't have me. So the whole posse thing is not a good fit for me. But and then Allison like gives her a look like she just can't believe Mona's milking this for all it's worth. Mona's like, but you can trust. But can you trust me? Yes. You're all characters I gave life to and you're trapped in my snow globe anyway. So what choice do you have? I want to find out who killed Nolan just as much as you do. Right. And then Dylan says, well, we know who killed Nolan. <laughs> and he was and tried to do the same to Caitlin. There's like a harsh edge to that. So like Mona like crosses her arms over her chest, it's like seemingly like generally perplexed by the reaction. I feel like Mona's just gotta be like, sure that you're wrong. <laughs> well, like I feel like Mona brings usually a pretty surefire bullshit detector to these things. Mm-hmm. And there's certain blind spots like like model cute Mason Gregory. Yeah, sometimes uh, the writers put words in her mouth, yeah. Sure. But I don't know. I, I almost want like some meta commentary here from Allie and Mona. Like, okay, who do you think it is? It's definitely not them. It's never the first suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You would think that they would have picked up on that. <laughs> so Allison's like, guys, you can trust Mona and you know, you can, because we've said it twice now. Mm-hmm. So Ava doesn't like, and, and she's she just over- like, look, do I look untrustworthy? <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, you put up with this for six episodes so far. You don't have a choice. So even like it, she looks over at Dylan. He decides to accept it, even though it's sketchy and none of it makes sense. And fuck it, do we have an episode here or not? We do. Dylan's like... <sighs> okay, it was Mason Gregory. He was jealous of Nolan because he's all his number one. And when he got rid of him, Mason spiraled into Nolan 2.0. Now he's got a whole Nolan stash of secrets and he's been blackmailing us to get what he wants. Sort of. This is going to be so annoying to listen to. It's going to suck. <laughs> so off of Dylan, then they have a look at her nurse. We like start to like spiral, spiral around the camera. Oh, here, we're doing, kind that, of we're doing the spiral camera shot of escalating tension. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting, especially on a set too, or, or on, on a real location too. I mean, it's it's kind of fun. Oh, this is, I, I don't think we said uh, this episode written by Cal Bound, directed by Sherry Appleby. Uh, Sherry Appleby, probably most well known for um, Unreal and uh, Roswell. And Girls. Oh, is she on Roswell? Okay. Yeah, she's the original Roswell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she directed quite a few episodes of Unreal. Probably did others. So I think you. I mean, I could see where you would pair her up for like a fashion show, considering like not like just that she knew how knew how to use a camera in certain sequences that are similar and unreal. There's um, a, I feel unreal. like there's a lot of rack focus in this episode too. That's yeah, to me. yeah. Um, so I think there's a kind of flow to this that that works better, like starting with just the director and like not a lot of weird editing. That does make me wonder too, because Roger Cumble did both four and five if that was like a one of those like double ups or they kind of like tried to cram a bunch in or mm. something because this is like this feels a little more like it was a director who had like time to just focus on this you know rather yeah. than maybe potentially trying to shoot two episodes at the same time and i don't remember if this was the one where they had no i think it was the last well i think it was roger Cumber ones where they had nikki Koss shadowing a lot of shadowing on on mm-hmm. this show um i mean like the episode four looks and feels great it feels i mean if, if it's like massively touched by the editor i don't i don't know episode five is a different case um so off of dylan and david looking around nervously we see this we have the spiral to camera you know going from the prayers back to our pll's and so forth and Mona's like well been there done that and dylan's like i'm sorry i'm sorry and Mona's like should i just start doing like jackson main voice for him can you i can do a bad version of it i can always do that Let's hear that. I'm sorry. Take one of the lines from. Well, let's get from, let's get to it. He doesn't have okay. a line for a while. Um, Mona's like, "Why don't we save that for another time, Junior?" Um, so keeps firing on another Allison back to Ava, and he was like, "Caitlin stole Mason's phone last night, so we can use it to prove that he was there, that he was at Thorn Hall the night that Nolan was pushed off that roof, and he ran was ran her over as payback." Uh, can you though? Because wasn't the whole thing that there was some sort of outage where you couldn't tell where anyone was at a certain beacon guard window? Yeah, beacon but guard beacon, is out. But I, but I guess you're, you're, you can still tell the phone's location. Sure, whatever. Well, again, we're still operating under this. We don't really know what beacon guard is, mm-hmm. other than a collection of cameras. I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like. If you give it any kind of thought, it's like you got to have more questions about like algorithms and systems. And but whatever. in that case, couldn't if if you know we're just talking like you know cell phone triangulation, right? So mm-hmm. couldn't the police or in you know Dana Booker just do that to prove where our three main suspects are? And listen, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of dream logic. They, they don't need your phone to, to do that, especially when it comes to how the plot interacts with issues of identity and, and mm-hmm. psychological nature. But like some of these things aren't nitpicking on our part. They're like breaks being slammed on the logic. <laughs> well, I, I think the problem is that if you introduce a bunch of technology, but it works like magic, like it's hard to square that, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. you're, you're giving like very technical literal explanations for how things work, but then the technology doesn't make any sense or it doesn't add up consistently like it's better to just avoid it you know? yeah i mean but yeah it's potentially that we are getting to a situation where seriously mona and taylor are going to be played as like 
good and dark wizards of technology or mm-hmm. some fucking thing. Um, Which one's so, Orlando? What's that? Nothing. It's a cheesy Lord of the Rings reference. Go. Cool. Uh, we spiral past Dylan and back to Mona, who's having a hard time believing this. And Mona's like, um, are we talking about the same Mason? Mason Gregory, as in model cute Mason, who's like four and a half feet tall. And Was that like, like in his contract or something? <laughs> Did we call him handsome during the funeral when he was like crying like profusely? <laughs> and Mona's like, oof, even his cry face is hot. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah. And Mona's like, no. He was with the crew team last night. He left. I feel like when Mona tells you that, to a certain degree, I don't know. Like, there should be some stuff where he's like, okay. Well, the last time we saw uh, Mason Gregory, he was knocked out and bleeding on the floor of the cabin and had, like just woken up. Mm-hmm. And what? He he woke up and then just went to the, the crew meet with his team? I mean, obviously, she's not correct about this, but I mean, like, just throw it over to Mona to, like, figure out. No, I think like, she actually is, though. I think he d- did leave with his crew team and then find out about Caitlin and ditch the team and come back is I think what we're supposed to get from all this. Oh, I thought he didn't go with them and that's why they lost their, their race. Although he, he leaves early. Like you can, I don't know. I'll, we'll get to it later. Either way. Yeah. My point is rather than last night's events, cause let's not think about episode five anymore. Like throw it to Mona to be like, can you just ascertain whether or not fucking Mason was anywhere near Thorn hall that night, please? Mm-hmm. Like that's I I don't know why Allison isn't suggesting this. She's seen just the little bit she's seen of Mona's power and her prowess. Anyway, um, so no, he was with the crew team last night. He left, and then Dylan says, then he found time to still hit Caitlin. And then see, I can't do it. Yeah, Ooh, no, that's not good. Yeah, no. Then he then he found time to still hit Caitlin and then make the plane. There's a plane. Okay. Yeah, the crew team was on a plane. Okay. Yeah, that's why I don't think he flew back anywhere. Hmm. Um, also, the news later doesn't make me whatever. Allison, why would you risk everything and not even talk to me first? I'm your faculty advisor for crimes. And Dylan's like, because we wanted, wanted it to be, it to be over. over. And I was like, we needed it to be over. And Mona and Allison, like, this is where they eye roll. Like, they need to be like, this is episode six. Mm-hmm. Try doing this for seven seasons. What the fuck? Uh, speaking of which, they hear chatter over a radar nearby. They look to the other side of the nursing station, and there's two generic-looking police officers coming and taking up, like, formation and while well around. But we'll learn is Caitlin's room. And Ava's got an idea, and she's like, and maybe now it can be over. And Allie and Mona look at them, realizing what they're thinking, and Ava turns to Dylan, and she's excited. She's like, this is our chance to tell the cops everything. The hit and run happened off campus. And Allison's, like, getting it. And she's like, out of Dana Booker's reach. Sure. And Mona's like, what do you mean? I know she suspects you, but you didn't kill Nolan, so why not just Ava's like trust her? And she's like says it was like such derision at Mona, which that's that's unwise. How much time do you have? And Mona's like, okay, chill out, tall Arya. So Ava turns to Dylan and she's like, Are you in? And he says, My secret's already out there. It's your call. Yeah. Um, Ava turns to Allison and Ava's like, You lied for us. You okay with this? And Allison's like, they're your secrets. Shrug. Well, what does that mean? Is she is she gonna go admit the truth that Yeah, I think what she's saying. But like, aren't is Allie's just gonna get fired then or something, right? Like maybe Allie's but... just like, nah, it's cool. I don't give okay, a fuck. So Allison maybe could get fired, but at the same time, I don't think she like gets in legal trouble because she doesn't lie to the cops. I don't the legal trouble is not really the concern. I think it's just that like 
your boss is, you know, the aggrieved here, the grieving mother. And if you're obstructing an investigation into his death, do you like, is she going to go easy on you? You're just a TA. Yeah. Allison's like, you know, this job's a joke anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assigning, and then there were none as a book for these college students. Um, Allison's like, they're your secrets. They was like, we owe it to Caitlin. Dylan says, well, girl. So Dylan and Ava march over to the cops, leaving Allison and Mona behind. And Mona's like, well, I would have never done that. Nudge. You must be doing something right. And Allison like smirks. I mean, you guys never learn anything by like when you did go to the cops, it always went wrong. But sure. Yeah. 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 So Dylan and Ava get over to the two cops and Ava's like, officers, we'd like to make a statement about the case. And just then sneeze coming up behind the cops. Oh, shit. It's Dana Booker. And she's like. It's everyone's favorite Dana Booker. Queen of entrances. She's like, I'm really going to regret moving to the Pacific Northwest if I can't get on top of these allergies. And she starts like handing out business cards, which now I kind of want her to always be handing out business cards. And she does it twice in this episode. And she's like, officers, thank you so much for your quick response on the scene and for hopefully helping to save a BHU student's life. Let's see Paul Uh, Allen's card. Yeah. (laughs) But Dylan and Ava are just like, it's like you two just got your fire snatched from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And Danny continuing ignoring these two completely because that's a move. It's like, and because of the circumstances, a Senator's daughter and Caitlin's so close to the Hotchkiss family, Mrs. Hotchkiss has empowered me to take control of this investigation. And the cops are like, that's nice, but we're police, real police. We have laws. They have to be upheld and abused by real deputized members of the law enforcement community. People who take corporate jobs don't get to do that. And the police department isn't being privatized. So just kidding. Why would we complain? And Officer Dale, because his name is Dale, or here is like, we're here to help you and the Hotchkiss family any way we can. Beacon Heights owes them so much. So <laughs> this much. this is one of like that moment where it's like I I cannot suspend disbelief for something like this. Like yeah. this like it's you could have done something where like Booker comes in and says, like, I need, you know, I, tries to throw her weight around you know and they're just like fuck you basically you know and then like and then the senator comes in and she's just like claire hodge is a personal friend of mine you know that was my daughter that got hit i want i want you to extend miss booker every courtesy you know in this investigation you know like something like that where it's in there like oh shit yeah senator said so so like it kind of explains how she can broaden her her mandate there well well but but so, but rather than that, because even that still doesn't fully check it's, out. It's a lampshade, though. There is what no lampshade here, here. What they're saying here, what they're trying to imply, what they're hoping you'll dance around the Commissioner Gordon logic of all this is Claire Hotchkiss draws a lot of water in this town, Lebowski. You don't draw <laughs> shit. Um, that's what they're trying to say is that like Claire, Claire Hotchkiss has so much power and influence that fuck yeah. I just think – like just have officer Dale say, you know, like we'll take you on as a consultant or, you know, something where it's like she can work in concert with the police. But like when you give full authority over where she's just like bossing cops around, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, it just flies in the face of like every cop show you've ever seen, basically. Or if you argue something where it's like due to its mandate or incorporation, hand jerky motions, somehow like BHU's like it's got a, a branch of the police department as mm-hmm. like it's law enforcement on campus. I don't know. Fucking no, man. Yeah. Anyway, so even Dylan just Sherry, to have the cop just be like glad to you. It's like, what? 
Well, and then later she's just bossing uniformed police officers around. It makes no sense. But like, so even Dylan and Sherry, can you believe this shit face? Which is absolutely correct. So getting what she wants, Dana now turns to these two. So she's like jubilant. She's like, did I hear that you, did I, did I hear that you were here to make a statement? And they was making her fuck you eyebrows. And she's like, we're here to support our friend. And Dylan's like, no matter what. And then eventually tells what. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's like, it's like we're treating BHU like it's like, Sovereign territory or something like the laws of the United States don't apply there. I mean, come on, Which, guys. Like, this is an Empire Academy. I don't know. If you want to go there, then go there, commit to it, and and have her come up with some weird logic about how because Caitlin's a student, like, you know, they need to be part of the investigation or something like that. But part of the investigation is different, right? <laughs> then, like, by all means, take over. You want me to get you some coffee while I'm at it? Uh, but also, a throwaway line, like, you know, Beacon Heights has its own. Uh, police force or something like that. Just something, something that makes them seem more official than just some random rent-a-cop who got fired yeah. from the FBI. But also, weren't Ava and Booker just like hanging out in the woods together like two hours earlier? Yeah. <laughs> so, 35 minutes into our episode, we have gotten through the teaser. This is a very long teaser, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's six minutes in when we get to credits. Uh, uh, our one credit shot is Dylan... Uh, shining a light down a tunnel and like a storm drain sewer type deal. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. Anyway, the next thing. I mean, what do you think this criteria for these credit shots? Just like interesting visual or like key plot point? I, I don't know. I don't even know if they're always the most interesting visuals. No, they're not. So maybe that's not I, it. I wish that they would give it the room to do at least a couple and like play them off of each other and like their lack of context or what mm-hmm. have you. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's the next day. Allie and Mona are walking through the uh, parking lot of this hospital here. Allie says, when I found Taylor, she was living in a camper and we left it near the quarry when I drove her back. And Mona says, anything she's had there now? Uh, and Allie says, I don't know where else she'd feel safe. And there's a beep on Allie's phone. She checks it and says, I should get back to campus. I'm faculty advisor on the fashion show. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, sure. Which she will do Emily style. Yeah. Mona says, how did you pull that card? I got campus cleanup day. I don't believe Mona got anything. I'm not sure she works for the school. Uh, Allie <laughs> says, I would trade you if I could. And Mona's like, are you crazy? And Allison says, I have a student in surgery. Like, okay, sure. She just she's really cares about these students. Yeah. She's here to help these kids. I have seen her marriage and surgery and I found out and I found and then lost a dead girl. Oh, that's lost and found. Okay. I'm not exactly feeling fashion forward today. Allie, you're always fashion forward. And anyways, Mona says, well, the crew team always makes the final the finale race. So we have a few days until Mason gets back. Um, I think, yeah, we really never even heard about the crew team being gone until like a few minutes ago. And now it's just like, Take it as a red that Mason's out of town. We've got a couple of days. Well, it's like in making the show, do you not see that as confusing? <laughs> if, if, I just I feel like there's like a whiteboard that has all the details and they're like, oh, we figured it all out. Now let's go write the episode. And it's like you're not communicating all the details. Well, there, there's this thing that would happen occasionally. I'd be right in trouble where it's like, oh, shit, I need I want to do something here, but I haven't set it up. Let me just go back real quick. And I'll put like one thing in and I'm like, you know what? No, it needs more than that. You know, it's like you can't just go back to the previous episode and be like, we're just going to put one line in. There we go. Set it up. That's the danger of doing these things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, anyway, 
anyways, uh, Mona says, if you did this to Caitlin, then she and your little protégés are safe for now. And if it helps, I'll head out to the camper. Uh, he's like, really? And Mona says, well, I was hoping to connect a few more dots between Ray and Caitlin and you, but <sighs> gone girl, gone again, Trump's mystery list. Oh, so we're still doing the mystery list. Uh, Allison says, thank you. And when I was like, cute little smile, like she just loves being helpful and appreciated for it. And they walk off together. Mm. So back at the hospital, Dylan and Ava have their coats on now. They're just like chilling against, a, I don't know, something in here in the, the hospital. Seems like more of a waiting area than, than where they were before. Man, hospitals. Like counter? Stuck. Is that yeah, the word you're looking for? Hospitals fucking suck. Um, Dylan's like shooting the shit and he's like, no, Do you see the guy? Uh, there's a dude on a chair nearby. He's just reading the magazine called Beacon Heights. Lifestyles of rich and famous. Uh, so shooting the shit, Dylan's like, so you're really thinking about leaving last night? And he was like, yeah, I didn't want to let myself believe that it was really my dad in case I was being played. But as I got closer and closer to the time I was supposed to meet him, whether I wanted to or not, I was all in because the little baby Ava Drowling told me to. And Dylan's like, I just can't believe that Dana went through all that to lure you to the woods. Now, now, now I'm, Neither I can can't we. help it. I can't help it. Like it's, it's Jackson, Maine. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did she tell you to expect to happen when you found out it was her and not your dad? And it was like, she thought she could break me and that I would turn on you and Caitlin and Allison too. He's like, it's like she's playing some kind of sick twisted game. And it was like, and she may get off on this something game, but she's dead serious about winning. Dana Booker does her homework. <laughs> and he does this goofy nod thing, like, boy, ain't that the truth. And she says, and she picks on you over and over again until you have no choice but to bleed. And he's like, sounds like Mason. Does it? <laughs> this is like, Dave Mason's like the most ill-defined character. So Ava nods and Dylan gets a text from Andrew, which says, heard about Caitlin. She okay? How, does Andrew know Caitlin? What? Well, sure, Caitlin, fine. Caitlin did ask, where's Andrew? Okay. But yeah, like... We were told over and over again that they're not friends. So when they were having their fake hangouts with Nolan, was he just like, by the way, I'm dating a guy named Andrew who kind of sucks. And and Nolan's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> you know, and like, or was that like verboten? Were they allowed to talk about their their real lives? Because what was Caitlin going to say? Like, oh, I've met a handsome British guy with big I, hair. The text mostly makes sense just as like an avenue for Andrew to to start a dialogue. Yeah. With with some remove, you know? Yeah. <laughs> For this actor to be a picture on the phone, yeah. Well, just so that, like, it's like, okay, maybe he's, like, he's he's not completely over it. He kind of wants to get back together, but he can't, like, come out and say that or anything. So he's got to, like, kind of just ease back into it by, you know, oh, here's a, here's a topic that I can pretend to be concerned about. Oh, and with with it being PLO, too, I don't know if we're supposed to pick up on any kind of mystery of Andrew. And I think that's that's... That's part of like a thing that that's a mark against Andrew is he's, you know, like I think like there, you could argue that maybe Jeremy's a little bit mysterious if you want to see it. So he kind of touches on well, two they avenues framed of the show. Him. There's there have been a couple times where they framed Jeremy yeah, he's to see him slightly sinister, yeah, or menacing. Yeah. And like, especially in this episode, he has another one of those. But like Andrew, he just seems like he's there to suffer. He seems like a, a Sean, basically from you know Hannah's boyfriend. Like, and you're you're just waiting for him to find Caleb. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wonder who uh, Dylan's Caleb would be. It could be Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> could be, yeah. <laughs> In your face, yeah. Hannah. 
I uh, go both ways. Um, so Ava sees this and they like share a smile. Um, and she gives him an arm squeeze uh, of support and is like, here, you got, enjoy some spicy text with your loser boyfriend. Dylan texts back, like, uh, like don't know, at the hospital. Because he, he even texts in that voice, too. <laughs> he texts in that voice as well. He can't actually totally read his texts. They're a little hard to read. <laughs> even though that font is fucking mm-hmm. massive. <laughs> these phones, he man. Well, like these, like, non-iPhone iPhones. <laughs> Which always cracks me up because we've seen people with actual iPhones on PLL before, like. The phone shit. Like, this should be so locked down on PLL. Like, like the half a season where we had the giant on-screen text. Whatever. Yeah, that didn't work. So he adds an... Which, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I don't know. I think it was just... Anyway. I, I, I don't mind that in general, but stylistically, it was just jarring because they've never done that on PLL, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was smart to, like, incorporate that with the emojis, and then a emoji stopped happening. So she has he has another text. Can you come? Um, ooh, spicy. Just in the background, we see <laughs> wherever I am. You don't know, <laughs> homeless Andrew here. Um, in the background, we see that Ava is talking to a nurse or somebody, and Dylan looks over his shoulder, and Ava looks at him, and she's nodding like it's good news. I felt like she was giving him like a "come on over here" nod. Maybe it's like "come on over here" when you're done. Uh, but he goes back to his phone. Andrew's texted back like, "Sorry, not ready yet, but keep me posted." You know what? Fuck you. Um, Dylan's like, well, that was a bus. And he walks over to Ava, who's like happy of her good news. And she's like, well, she's out of surgery. I mean, that's just all like a power move by Andrew there to like start the conversation and then slam the brakes. Yeah. I mean, just the, the very nature of your ex texting you is sinister. Mm. It's all power move, right? Mm. Right. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know. you, you wrote the book. Um, he smiles and they hug. And Ava says, they said she had some internal bleeding, but they were able to take care of it. And he's like, okay, <laughs> took well, care of it. Here. Yeah. She doesn't seem like she's dealt with internal bleeding later in this episode. Like, I don't know if there's anything wrong with her later in <laughs> <No>. the episode. <laughs> I expect there to be like nothing wrong with her in two episodes. Like, it'll just be like it never happened. I feel like next week she's doing jumping jacks and sit ups. And we're just like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dylan's like, okay, when can we see her? Uh, and Ava's like, she'll be in recovery for a while. So there's not really much we can do until she wakes up. And he's like, actually, there is. And she's like, hmm. And he's like, I know we can, how we can prove that Mason killed Nolan. And she looks at it like, like this, like, hut, like looks around. She says in a hush, like, now you tell me. And he's like, I saw that phone go down the sewer last night. When Caitlin got, why am I doing this? It's like Southern voice. Yeah. When Caitlin got hit, she asked her, she risked her life for this. I think the least we can do is make sure she didn't do it for nothing. So she seems stressed. Like, this is all too much, this sudden news. And she's just like, I have to get ready for the fashion show. And he's like, my God, I totally forgot. I totally forgot. Okay, uh, go, go. I, I will. I'll, I'll meet up with you after I get the phone. She starts backing away. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. And off they go. It's a weird, it's a weird pivot. Well, you know, we got to give our character something to do here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dylan... I don't know if it's a weekend or when classes. It doesn't seem like Dylan or any of them have gone to class in a long time. Yeah. Um, so he, he really never has anything that he needs to be doing except practicing cello or like going to his, uh, you know, like tryout thing. So for every two and a half times that uh, Dylan either practices the cello or sits vaguely in the vicinity of the cello, we also need a scene where he just kind of like rubs a shoulder and looks off in the mid distance and like kind of quizzical, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, and then maybe do someone's homework for them. 
Yeah, did he ever do any of Mason's homework? No, Mason's like, I'm failing all my classes, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm model cute and super smart. <laughs> like, that's the other thing, too. Is Dylan smart? Is he, like, book smart? Is he, like, good paper writing smart? So I, assume, than- I assume Dylan's a music major. I... I think you you'd need more than just musical talent to be a music major. I think you'd need good grades too. Well, especially at BHU where they only take seven percent of. Do they have things. music like, scholarships? Does that exist? Like, if see. you can like totally shred, like they like, is that like having like a good forty time or something? I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. Let's let's see how many uh, Lady Gaga Lady Gaga covers you know. But like, <laughs> uh, whatever beyond whatever the, the incredibly normal word that he used a lot in the essays in the pilot, like. I don't know. I, I I almost wonder like, does Mason even need Dylan? <laughs> is it just is it just a power move? Like, I'm gonna have you write an essay for me, and I'm not even gonna use it. That's how much of a dick I am. Because my own essay's better anyway. So it's fashion show today tonight. Happening. Um. So when she was saying when she was saying two episodes ago, we need to stop Mason slash prove this thing before my fashion show. What she was actually telling us, us was, we need to do this before tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also the same fashion show that she was going to skip out on so she could run away with her daddy. Yeah, like the next last three episodes have taken place over like two days, seemingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so student union. We got some people getting ready for that old fashion show. Uh, we're about to meet a new character, and I think, I, I suspect this is going to be an Ava love interest here. This is Zach. He's just uh, and he's a real Zach. He's got a headset on, so you know he's like a some sort of important event planner guy. And a lanyard. And a lanyard. Yeah, there's people That's like legit. pushing racks of uh, clothing around and stuff. And Zach's talking to Allie, who's got like a clipboard, so that that tells us she's you know doing work. In the and, thick of it, yeah. Yeah, Zach says we're running the models and the designers through the final rehearsal group by group. The lights are up. We just need to load the packages and test the additional effects the designers have added to the sh- to their shows. And Ali's got her clipboard and says, "Awesome, thank you, Zach. We really could not have pulled this off without you. Character I've never seen before. <laughs> also, because you're literally doing all the work. Yeah. And he <laughs> says, "I know. Yeah, it'll be a fun night. Make, we'll make sure we'll we'll make sure of it, Mrs. D." And he walks off. And another girl walks up to Ali for headset, but she has no lines of dialogue. She's kind of like taps Ali on the shoulder and. Allie does something with a clipboard and she's like, oh, hi. And, uh, she kind of signs whatever. It's just like a lot of like signing things that people hand her, you know, it's like that's how you know she's, you know, in charge. There's this whole like, like, you know, in universe reason, like, I'm afraid to speak to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could you just please sign my paper, please? It's a lot of people with headsets on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then Ava shows up and Allie says, hi. Ava says, hi. And Allison says, any updates on Caitlin? And Ava says, she just got out of surgery, but they wouldn't let us see her. And Allie's like, okay, well, take a deep breath and know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. The reps for the rag mags in Vogue, they've RSVP'd. And Ava's like, Vogue? It's just that Caitlin and I, we had a fight and I said some things. And Allie says, well, when Caitlin wakes up, do you think she wants to know that you were just sitting there waiting for her? I mean, maybe. Uh, when there is nothing that you could do. Or that you were nailing your fashion show and getting that Vogue internship. It's not happening until next summer that you've been working towards all semester. Which has been how long again? Yeah. 
this uh, does make it feel a little bit better. And she smiles at Allie because Allie's her seeming job on the show is just to give people pep talks now. Yeah. Uh, so Allie kind of leads her into a kind of like it was like backstage or something or it's like where yeah. I guess is where like they're setting up maybe the stage. It's hard to tell because it's it's in the that? midst of like it'll it'll look different later, but it's like in the midst of you know, being changed with a bunch of curtains and stuff. You know? I think we're near that little loungy part where there's the big TV that only plays news about the student body. Yeah. The exposition TV. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Zach's here and Allie says, uh, Zach and at her command, he kind of stops checking on some like weird curtains or whatever. Just checking their poofiness. Yeah. And comes over and Allie says, Ava, this is Zach. He's a student. He's with student events and I have, all confidence in him. All, all confidence. This guy, stand-up guy, not going to do you wrong at all. So, so you need anything? Just, Zach is your guy. And he was like, "Great!" And like, Zach, she's like, "Is there any chance you could help me with my lighting setup? I was planning on coming in early." And he cuts her off and says, "Look, there's a half dozen designers that got here on time, so take a number and wait your turn." And he just like, "Bitch!" and walks off basically. And he was just like, "The fuck." And uh, so you were talking about ascots in the background. It looks like one of the designers might be sporting an ascot. (laughs) I'm sure it's very fashionable. (laughs) Well, Uh, like this, this fashion show is like, so there's like seven designers who seemingly get four minutes. Yeah. They they get runway time. Well, the the scene is so weird because Ali's just like, this is Zach stand up, bro. He'll take care of you. And it was just like, Hey, and Zach's just like, fuck you. And Ava's like, what's his problem? And Allie's like, I don't know. <laughs> Allie's like, I don't really want to get that involved. I've got a lot on my plate, Ava. Like, <laughs> not going to try to pull rank or anything, Allie? I guess not. You're just like, no, well. no. <laughs> she could dress this guy down, but yeah. what's that going to do? Eh, he was just rude, mouthed off to you and walked away without helping. Eh, whatever. He's under a lot of pressure, Ava. So mm-hmm. This guy just has like campus bicycle written all over him. You think so? Oh yeah, this oh this guy did very well in college. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like gangly looking dudes. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, gave a lot of girls herpes. Oh okay. I mean, it's, it looks like he's like uh, I don't know. He can probably like quote some poetry. He's probably got like weird fair pubes. I don't know. Like this guy. I don't know. Yeah, he's like pube sash two point No pube sash. Yeah. 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 Like 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 real pubic Prince Caspian vibe, yeah. Uh, Caspian's like longer hair. This guy, is it? oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like Ben Barnes, man. Oh, that's right, Ben Barnes, the dude from Westworld, is Prince mm-hmm. Caspian. Holy that's shit! Right. Okay, all the way down now. No, this uh, guy's this guy's like Tiger Beat, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's juicy. Uh, do we finish the scene? Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you made me think of something though too. Like, I like how do you not have in your wish list just a scene where maybe it's back in Allison's like living room and she's just got the fucking like like chalkboard and she's just counseling them like like how to like evade like police suspicion or how to do how this to, how like to pick a lock yeah how to how to uh, follow someone without being recognized, you know? Like, I know, I know, I know the, the response is, oh, so you're saying that she's going to literally teach them uh, how to get away with murder? Yes, I am fucking saying that. That's what she's going to teach them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so meanwhile, on a street somewhere in if, the woods, the yeah. old road, Well, 
this is a uh, Dylan driving, which I think might be the first time we see him drive. Yeah. And um, his uh, station wagon. At first, I was like, well, how the fuck does he have a car? But then I was like, oh, he killed his family. That was the family station wagon. And they won't need it anymore. So he drove Checks it out. to Beacon Heights. Checks out. Checks out. Checks out. Well, it reminds me of, uh, wasn't it an episode of Angel where, like, after Fred dies, you see the flashback to her, like, driving to L.A., like, packing up the old the old car and driving to L.A.? I vaguely remember Dylan that. did yeah. that. But, like, he had, like, the stick with the, uh, the like, duffel on it or the, the he- kerchief on it with his parents' heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he pulls up to like a police barricade. There's a sign that, out there that says "road close to 8 p.m." His phone rings. We hear the, the usual indistinct chatter. I of gotta radio. say, if, if I was a motorist on this road right now, I'd be like, "What? Fuck this bullshit!" Someone gets hit by a car, and it's like the next day, and it's gonna be like 24 hours seemingly before you can open this road. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. His audition was at 10. The um, night before, so it's it's probably the the meeting in the woods was ten thirty, I believe. So I mean, it's it's probably like a good twenty one hours that this road is closed. Yeah. So Dylan does the thing where he like does speakerphone with his phone, and he's just like, "Hey, no luck. Dana's goons are here. Road's closed, eight p.m. I don't know what that voice is." Um, Ava's on the phone. And she's like, "They're not checking the trains, are they?" And Dylan's like, "No, Mason's phone is safe." That's a, that's a leap. So we t- see two cops who are standing there. They look over at Dylan's car like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? They start like marching over to him. And Ava on the phone says, Dylan, the nurse called. Caitlin's awake. I guess Kate, or Ava's just really made good, good friends with this nurse. Yeah. Um, Dylan's like, what is it? And Ava's like, something's wrong. She said the hospital's swarming with cops. Is there a line missing here? Like, Caitlin's awake. What is it? I think something's it's just her wrong. tone. Okay. Okay. Um, Although, uh, is that like a HIPAA thing, maybe? Are they allowed to tell her Caitlin's awake? Maybe. I don't know. I guess if you're just, well, I mean, you can step around anything if you make an interpersonal relationship with mm-hmm. an actual somebody. <laughs> interpersonal relationship with uh, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> he found a loophole in the Mexican <laughs> legal system. <laughs> I have money. So Dylan's like, okay, I'll meet you after. I'll meet you there after. Uh, so he drops the phone and backs up right as one of the cops is like making his way towards him, which seems suspicious. Like, yeah. Are they like just like radioing Booker and being like, "Yeah, you were right." But the the dumb thing is like it's this is not like a checkpoint or something, you know. Like this is seemingly this is closed off because there was an accident, and I don't know they're gathering evidence. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the cops just like this guy's not leaving. Oh now I have to go talk to him. Oh now he's driving away right as I get to the car. Fuck you, kid. Yeah. You're gonna get a speeding ticket later. Um. So the hospital. We're in a hallway. Able looking at some windows as Caitlin's uh, host- Caitlin's hospital room. Now we're like transitioning to a set where there's a nurse checking something on her. Um, and this is this is, again the beggaring belief as Dana Booker and some uniformed cops are like approaching. Dana lets herself in the room and says to the nurse, "Clear the room." And Caitlin's like, "What? What's happening? Am I being arrested?" Way to act guilty, Caitlin. Jesus Christ! Weird immediate flex. No, Can't tell. Well, no, many- like what? What are you doing, Caitlin? Like, am I being arrested? Like, uh. Should we be arresting you? <laughs> well, even the nurse has got to be like, that was fishy. Yeah. You're, you're fishy. Um, can't tell how many uniformed cops have come in with Dana. We just see the one who gives her like a head nod as he checks, I think, the bathroom. Which, <laughs> the security check is ridiculous. It's not a lot of space to check. But we hear the like off-screen cop voice go, it's clear. And Dana's like, all clear. 
And the uniformed cops leave, and Daniel just like stares at Caitlin there in the hospital bed while Caitlin's like freaking out. She's like, "What are you doing here? You can't just come in here." Dan just stares at her, and behind her, we see that a woman is walking along the hallway corridor, approaching the door. Dan looks away from Caitlin to the open door of the hospital room, and the woman steps inside. And the woman, of course, is one of Caitlin's mom, Senator Caitlin's mom, who she has no name in this episode. Yeah, it was so, a little odd. Dramatic pushing on Caitlin for this realization, and she's like, "Mom," and it's played almost like it's a horror moment. Like, I think it's supposed to. Yeah, I think it's just supposed not horror really, but just like a I don't know, soap opera, an exciting development. Yeah, Mom is here. Six episodes in. Uh, anyways, after the commercial, Dylan and Ava, they've changed. Uh, they're walking through the real hospital again near one of the nurses' stations, uh, kind of away from security guards. So they're like, all of a sudden, there's like these Secret Service-looking goons instead of just like, you know, local police. Mm-hmm. Sure, whatever. Uh, and Dylan says, I mean, intellectually, you understand that your friend's mom is a senator, but it doesn't really hit you until security threatens to slam you against a wall trying to open a door. And Ava says, they did warn you twice. And he says, yeah, well, we're not getting in there while her mom's here. <clears throat> Which, yeah, why is that? I don't know. Just mom I time, mean, I guess. But, like, mom, these are my two friends. Yeah. How hard is that? Not mom, this is my secret boyfriend. Mom, you should understand about secret boyfriends. Yeah. I don't think you're going to give me a lot of shit, mom. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ava says, there's nothing we can do. We can't get Nolan's phone until tonight. So go to practice. It will keep your mind off everything. And Dylan's the kind of guy who actually counts things off on his fingers. He says, by everything, do you mean uh, my boyfriend hates me? Someone tried to kill our friend. Uh, we're being blackmailed. Oh, and did I mention someone tried to kill Caitlin? It's really only three things, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ava says, yeah, I think that about covers it. And he's like, yeah. And they're kind of smiling. Like, they do have, like, a chemistry here. Like, they seem to have fun playing off each other. Um, they but- do have chemistry. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily the right kind of chemistry, but they do have chemistry. Look, I representation matters, especially like good representation. I don't want them to take it there, but I'm just saying in a different project, watching these two actors like play people who are who are probably going to fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very weird. Like I was like so I don't know. I was not loving Ava at the start of the show, and it's like. I feel like Sophia Carson's just injecting some weirdness into her and I'm loving it. I feel like her, her the character of Ava might be less well performed, but more, more interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Maybe too broad of a word, but like, do you think it comes from the actor though? More so than the character? I think, I think some of it's on the page too. Cause she's, okay. Ava's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's a pistol. Like she's but definitely that- the weirdest of the three of them. I kind of wonder, though, based on her thing earlier, if like Ava's the one who's just like, oh, I'm having an extended moment with you. I think I shall take one of the details from your personality and that shall be me for the next mm-hmm. three hours. Like, I think she kind of is, I don't know, like a sociopathic scavenger of human details. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, oh, so as the scene ends, they're talking about, you know, we're being blackmailed. Someone tried to kill Caitlin. They walk right past Jeremy, who's like sitting there at the nurse's station with bum, some bum, uh, bum, bum. coffee and uh, crumpets or something. And he, he kind of looks over watching him. I presume he heard all that. And it's like, what? Someone's trying to kill Caitlin? Cut to the British guy of foppy hair of sinister eyes. Mm-hmm. So back in Caitlin's hospital room. I hate these scenes. Um, let's, let's just let's just plow through. Do you want to just uh, do some 
do some of our oh no we got we got three people in the scene <laughs> you got three people here it's gonna be too yeah. confusing mm-hmm. uh i'll do this quick uh the nurse is back she's checking iv shit for caitlin caitlin's mom is talking to dana booker caitlin's watching and listening and the center's like you're gonna find out who did this to my daughter you know it's more of an order and dana's like yes ma'am because she's been so successful so far Seriously. Yes, ma'am. We've got officers on the scene and we've got calls into all kinds of local repair shops. Whoever did this will be found center. I can promise you that. Because of the IV stuff, we pan over to Caitlin. She's like suffering from the anxiety of all this. I don't know why she doesn't tell her mom, hey, I hate this fucking woman. Ruin her career. Really? Seriously? Hey, hey, mom, this woman has been harassing me for a week. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know that like fucking Claire Hodgkiss knows some things about you, but you can know some things about her. You can make her fucking little fancy school suffer. Anyway, Senator's like, thank you to Dana Booker. Knock on the door. Dana Booker looks over and it's a uniformed cop. It looks like he's 12. They share a nod. Dana steps out. Senator Caitlin's mom turns back to her daughter. The Senator's like, are you in any pain? I can get the doctor to come in. Caitlin's like, mom, I'm fine. Senator's like, you're missing a track. Get get them opiates, man. Ooh, yeah. At least if not for you, Caitlin, then for your buddy, Benjo Light here. Caitlin's like, not much I can do about that. And the senator's like, I didn't mean it that way. I just thought you might feel bad about it. I know it's frustrating. And doctors think you can be back in two months. But I think if you push yourself, you can be back there in six weeks. That's an unrealistic goal. But whatever. If you're mysterious ailment here. You know what? You're going to be fine, Caitlin. I think you'll be back in two days. Yeah. At least at least one episode. Yeah. Um, she says like it's supposed to be a nice thing, but it seems like it's a crazy amount of pressure. Caitlin just seems weary now. She's like, yeah, I always do. And the center's like, yes, you do. Then Dana Booker pokes her head in holding that drink carrier of two coffee cups. And she's like, center, did you request coffee? We see the cups are from Donna's Donuts and Pies. And we like rack focus on the center who seems to be sighing in recognition. Yeah, I didn't really get this. Yeah, like, it's very strange. Yeah. Like why, like, why does it seem familiar to her? Did, did they go there too? Or does she know that this means Jeremy or yeah? Yeah, so Caitlin's like, oh, yes, that's my friend. Thank you. Which, again, there's questions. Who's your friend? Why why isn't your friend in here currently? How did Jeremy give the coffee cups? Is he just like, hello, officer. These two coffee cups are for the young lady who's hit by a bit of the trolley in there. (laughs) You know, so Dana Booker comes in. She sets the coffee area down. lift, torch, later. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Some of my hair appears to be losing its volume. I need to go poof it up some more. Mr. F. Um, coffee carry. She says coffee carry down by Caitlin's bed, and then immediately turns to the center, handing her a business card. I just want her to hand out business cards all the time. I am Dana Booker. Yes, I know. I have fifteen of your cards. Dana's like, if there's anything you need while you're in town, Senator, please let me know. And Senator's like, thank you. So she smiles as she watches Booker go. And Senator's like, I like her. She's proactive. And then I said, I hate the senator. And then Caitlin scoffs, and she's like, you have no idea. This seems like a good time for Caitlin to tell her mom. I fucking hate that woman. Ruin her. Yeah, really. Okay. Now, back to the exciting stuff of Dylan's department. Very exciting stuff here is Dylan's practicing his Lady Gaga riff on his electric violin there uh, as the cell phone's ringing. Uh, see the phone's resting on uh, his little easel there next to uh, his music. It still has the song for Andrew, like sheet music up, which he's definitely not playing. Yeah. Um, but on the phone, it's ringing. It goes to voicemail, and then he uh, taps the button to play it back, and it's Dr. Foley. He says, Dylan, it's Dr. Foley. You missed your appointment. I hope you're heeding my advice and taking a break from playing. You're young, but no one's invincible. Call and reschedule, please. Uh, so you're like really triggered by this doctor from your notes, it seems like. You think oh, he's I mean, being a jerk and that uh, like... Well, primarily, I think more importantly, the doctor's not the one leaving the voicemails. No, he would be. I've, uh, I've had doctors leave me voicemails. Really? Yeah. I feel like it's like the nurse practitioner or somebody. Um, I don't know. He's just like, you know, no one's no one's... Invincible. Call reschedule, please. Whatever. 
Dr. Dave Foley's fine. He's probably dealt like a, he's probably got a million fucking Dylans he's got to deal with. Anyway. Um, but yeah, but also Dylan. Yeah, keep on ignoring him. Play until your arm falls off, Dylan. Sure. <laughs> so Dylan sighs. Um, and we get some great scenes of watching Dylan like use his phone to text Andrew back. Um, he says, Caitlin is stable. Caitlin is stable. Uh, Andrew texts back quickly, like, thanks for letting me know. Uh, cut to a shot outside, like, really kind of, like, taking this this space for a walk, watching Dylan walk, you know, through the windows he walks across to the living room from wherever else he is in this rather small living room. Um, get some of the old uplifting PLL music themes, which I never really recognize. I know some fans online could, like, like recognize, like, the Ezria theme. Yeah, I, I could not pick out the Ezra theme myself. I know, like, I, the mystery theme. That's about it. The mystery theme was good. And, like, as the, as the music progressed, it, like, there would be tones would be interesting. Like, I know they definitely took some cues from, like, like the Lost, like the monster reveal mm-hmm. or the monsters in the background scene music. But, like, a lot of the PLL general music always sounded like it also might have just scored, like, a douche commercial. Um, no offense. But it's kind <laughs> of generic music, right? <laughs> I, I'm like, I feel like, okay, well, I just really shit on this composer, but like, it, it, that was the whole point is it was just like this kind of generic Hallmark after school. Yeah, walk that one back. Yeah, well, fuck it. Hey, oh, oh shit, this parachute's just a backpack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you see that. The whites. <laughs> you see that Dylan has texted Andrew. I've only had like one other major flub like that, I think. Do you remember when? Uh, I don't even know. I mean, sometimes we edit them out, sometimes we don't. Okay, I'm glad you don't remember the one I'm thinking of. I'm glad you don't remember the one I'm thinking of. We see that Dylan's texting Andrew, and he's like, I'm playing at the fashion show tonight, saving you a ticket. And Dylan's all hopeful for a response, and I don't know what kind of phone this is, but it's not an iPhone text interaction, but the font is fucking massive, and he gets like the three dots. And then they go. Yeah, three dots, like, oh, he's going to reply, and then just the dots disappear. The worst, the the absolute worst. I think Andrew knew what he was doing there, too. So how do you actually do the three dots? Do you just like... Tap it there and get the cursor going. You have to have like done something. Yeah. Like you started typing and then it, they go away when you stop typing or if you delete and, you know, put your phone oh, away. Because I want to like do that to all my contacts. Mm. I am and unreachable. I am the psycho. I've done some psycho things this past week. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, in your fucking face, Dylan. Meanwhile, Campler in the woods here. In a significantly different area than the last time we saw it. I mean, I guess they fixed the tire and moved it or something. Um, Mona is here. She flips on a lamp inside and takes a few steps through the place, just kind of absorbing the aura of her, you know, girlfriend uh, or soon to be girlfriend's place here. Her cell phone chimes. Uh, yeah, you have a note here. I hope you like scenes of characters texting because holy shit, there is a lot of characters texting with their like gigantic font phones in this episode. And the texting is not spicy enough that I'm enjoying watching them text. <laughs> yeah, it's free. that's very true. It's not like, even was... like like PLL marketing team, you know, text message exciting. It's yeah. Woo. The one today was just well, that one. Like the Marlene's already told that story. I mean, yeah, we, exactly. We've already heard that. I mean that that just that that to me felt like oh we don't really have anything this week. Let's just put that out there. But so this is a thing. This is an every Friday thing now. I guess. I don't know. Uh, we should start taking polls of what the subject of the next week will be. Like, what haven't they mined now? Well, let's see. Uh, I feel like we haven't heard from Arya in a while. So it's going to be something to do with her. 
So we had the book. Mm-hmm. I think she might have been the mm-hmm. first one, even, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, I, I predict Arya. <coughs> oh, it, technically, it was Emily. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Emily is first, Arya second. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You'd think they'd bring Arya last. She's the hammer. Anyway, it's a text from Bad Bishop who says, "Your turn." And Mona kind of shakes her head and sighs, like, "Oh, Bad Bishop, you're incorrigible and impossible to resist." And she texts, "Where were you yesterday?" Bad Bishop responds, "Sorry, something came up. Let's play." Oh, insatiable. insatiable. <laughs> I mean, at least I, I'm glad that they're really having Janelle Parrish like steer steer into this, you know, weird sexual relationship with this uh, chess player here. Never thought of chess as a thirst trap before, but mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So Mona's in short to do, and then when she looks at her phone again, it's like she's it looks like she's getting a call from Allie. Uh, but she's really about to make a call to Allie. So we cut back to the fashion show where Allie's interacting with people. <laughs> what even is this man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all just signing something. What is she signing? <laughs> it's like a lot of delivery orders or something. <laughs> How does this fucking work? Uh, Are all fashion shows this nonsensical chaotic? <laughs> yeah, so she says thank you to someone, and then her phone rings, she answers, and she's kind of like walking around with her clipboard while she's on the phone and says, hello, did you find the RV? And then like cut to outside the campers, <laughs> Mona kind of like, she's got the door open, is like sitting in the doorway there. Uh, and Mona says, yeah, she's not here. And we're kind of intercutting here, and back to the fashion show, Ali says... You at least could have sent her sent that in a text, Mona. What's up? Uh, maybe she just missed your voice, Allie. And Mona says, I-, I think she was really alone here. I mean, really alone, which is like a weird thing to say, but fine. We'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Allie's like, yeah, I saw that too. And Mona says, well, I know what it feels like to be hiding out on your own. Hell, I even had an RV. And yeah, new viewers are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And Allie just kind of chuckles like, oh, you sure did, you cyber ninja. And Allie says, well, I didn't have the luxury of a camper, but I've been there. And Mo says, you know, I think I'm going to stay a while. I want to soak up all this psychic mania and kind of wallow in it and get weird with it. Maybe even rub one out. Do some finger painting and maybe dial that rotary phone. (laughs) Maybe we'll get lucky and Taylor will come back, but hopefully not while I'm in the middle of that. And Allie says... Ellie's only half listening because there's an important news update on the, the big exposition TV there uh, that only plays news concerning BHU students. And Allie says, one second. And then we see there's like text on screen. It's not even like a reporter. It's just text on screen it says, the crew team lost their first race and is out of the tournament. They'll be back at 10 p.m. Come support your Eagles with like where overlaid over a picture of like a stock photo of crew. Yeah, where come support them? Where at the airport? <laughs> like, what the fuck? But like, people are stopping to watch. Like, the fucking Challenger exploded, and they just got the news. Seriously, like, like all these students are like stopping. Like, what? The crew team like, lost. Oh, Defcon one. It's really weird, but fine. I wanted this speech where it's like, listen, guys, we're all reeling from the crew from the crew team's loss. We've yeah. got to take back the morale and make this fashion show. Even more important. Yeah, anyways, Allie's just like... Jamie Lee Curtis coming. Crap, Mason's coming home tonight. And it's just like, oh shit, DEFCON 1. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know why Allie would be this concerned about it, but fine. We're just, we're just going to go with all the uh, crazy things they tell us from now on. 
Just a reminder, this is a woman who once beat a polygraph. <laughs> yeah, because she's invincible. She flew a plane as a teenager. With a mask of her own face. Uh, she, like, <laughs> just randomly on the side as, like, a 15-year-old had this, like, pilot side piece who she strung along to give her, like, flying lessons. Yeah. What do you think Duncan's up to now? Um, I mean, what has it been? Like, at least, like, seven or eight years since then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crashed. R.I.P. <laughs> okay. He took it to the limit too many times. <laughs> he pulled a real JFK Jr. <laughs> Junior. Oh, what? Too soon? <laughs> oh shit. Um. Oh, that was such. This will be great when, like, tomorrow there's some like tragic, you know, like small plane <laughs> crash that happens, and we look like assholes. Yeah, something horrible happens to Ivanka, and we have to pretend like we care. <laughs> She's going to be fine. Here's your obit for Ivanka and her horrible, like, tragic accident. Well, it was either that or jail. Ooh, that was that was nasty. Um, It was such a treat watching you or listening to you read that stuff. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I think the way we've started doing the perfectionist notes is uh, it's a real evolution in our, uh, our interactions here, how we make the other become like ourselves <laughs> down, down that rotary phone, baby. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so after commercial in the student unit, Ava and Allison are operating the slide projector. <laughs> Ava says it takes two seconds to type, find my phone in the computer. We have to get to that sewer before Mason does. It's our only way of proving that he killed Nolan before he hurts somebody else. And Allison's like, and the road reopens at eight when the fashion show starts. So I can move you guys to the last on the schedule, but do you think you and Dylan can get back here by 845? Guys, just do it after. Just yeah. fucking do it after. Yeah. Like, it's not that important. What do they think happens when Mason gets back? Seriously. Like, that he, like, I mean, I guess you could say Caitlin's worried that he's going to rat her out because she, like, you know, assaulted him. But they don't. They never mention that even once in this episode. That's that's a concern for any of them. No, I'm not sure no. they. I'm not sure the other two know that Caitlin did this. To be honest, no, they they've not it's even unclear. spoken to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean she she might have told like Dylan when they met up or whatever, but it, it's very unclear. Well, also you've got Senator Caitlin's mom in town with private security or so, secret service security or whatever the fuck these guys are supposed to be, and the local cops are bending over backwards to fucking kiss her ass, all of her ass. So Caitlin's fine. You're fine. Nobody else knows about the fucking phone in the sewer. No one else, presumably besides the pig man, is going to go into the sewer, do your fashion show. Also, the school needs it right now. I don't know if you heard, but the crew team lost. Yeah, they need to Um, pick me up. Yeah. So Allison has like a really quizzical look on her face. Like she's really pondering. Can this thing be done in time? Can you get off campus to the old road, into the sewer? It's like the second or third episode in a row where it's like, Something needs to happen somewhere between like eight and eight forty-five PM that they're like stressing to to you but, know make the time for. But it also like is butted up against like nocturnal academic activities. Yeah. <laughs> but so I don't know if there's like a quizzical looks budget, but I feel like Allison's spending it all here and it's not needed. Like you're just blowing that budget. But Ava's resolute. She's like, we have no choice. We'll make it happen. And off screen Zach's like, flowers are here. 
And he and another dude have a cart of buckets of daisies, and he's like offloading the buckets on like a nearby table with no fucks given. And he was like, daisies? Oh, no, those aren't mine. I ordered snapdragons. And again, with the aforementioned no fucks given, Zach's like, they're just flowers, and they're yours. And he was like, no, you don't get it. I ordered snapdragons because they're beautiful and resilient. Zach, again, no fucks given. Okay, I, man. I think we get that there's no fucks given. Yeah. But Ava approaches really arguing the point. She's like, Darwin and Mendel actually used them while studying genetics. So they're actually really smart too. They're the inspiration behind my line. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, well, we don't always get what we want now, do we? Burn. She's like, no, we need to fix this. I need it to be perfect. There are people here from Vogue tonight. My whole summer internship is writing on this. Do you think and any he, of the other people participating in this fashion show also have a summer internship with Vogue writing on it? Or is it just her? That's a very good question. And would I mean, Vogue send some fancy Anna Wintour knockoff all the way to a college to watch her fashion show for a summer internship? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Let's just say sure. Were there a lot of like drunken video essays sent from BHU in the same day to like to Vogue? So here's what I here's where I would have gotten uh, Jan from the office to show up as her character from uh, the bold type and like made that a crossover because fuck it, it's free form. Fuck it. So Zach is even sassier and he's like, that must be nice being able to do an internship, not having to work all summer so you can pay for school. And he like walks off and he was like, what the fuck? And she walks back to Allison like, what the fuck? And Allison could say something here, but nah. Yeah. Nah. Allie's like, I know you, I told you this, this was a totally stand up guy you could depend on. And he's so far done absolutely everything he could to dis- disabuse you of that notion. But I can stay out of it. I just wanted to be like, at times like these words fail because <laughs> I fail to use them. Um, so Ava continues going through the slides in her slide projector, which are indeed pictures of snapdragons projected onto a screen of an old woodsy shabby chic frame well, you know and darwin and mendel actually use them while studying genetics they're actually really smart too yeah well we'll get there in a second so allison sees something there and she's like can you go back a slide and as she you know Ava does as she asks and there's that previous slide of an old rustic headstone out in the woods somewhere and allison's like oh shit so flashback to allison's conversation with taylor two episodes ago and taylor's lesbian hat um, and Taylor's like, I was there at the cemetery that day. No, sorry, one episode ago. Uh, at the cemetery that day, I was waiting for everyone else to leave so I could say goodbye. I felt oddly safe there. I guess no one looks for a dead girl at a cemetery. And flashback. <clears throat> Back in the here and now, Allison has this look on her face like she's just I, cracked the whole fucking case. How did this feel to you? It, this is weak. This is the weakest of sauces. Like This is like a waste of Allison's deductive powers. It's just like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I mean, what, whatever. You did the math. She saw a thing. She thought of yeah. a thing. She went there. But it's like, it's hard when it's like in the context of the fashion show. Anyway, so she's like, I've got to go. Someone cover for me. I promise I'll be back in time for the show. So Allison walks off. She has not told anyone yet that she's moving Ava to the end of the uh, line, by the way. No, um, that'll sort itself out. Yeah, Ava looks at the slide in the back at the retreating form of Allison is like, what the fuck? Um, this is a great way for Allison not to have to deal with Ava's Snapdragon bullshit. Mm-hmm. So two episodes from now when Ava and Zach are dating or whatever, they can have a call back to how beautiful and resilient she is and really smart too. And he can call her his like beautiful Snapdragon and then leave her love notes buried in her old pencil sharpener. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Meanwhile, at the hospital, you know, establishing shot of a nurse walking past Caitlin's room showing us that there's Suit guards outside and within Caitlin's mom's there talking to Caitlin. 
Caitlin's going to be a little bratty in this scene, just like on her phone the whole time, kind of trying to ignore her mom. Uh, her mom says, can I get you something? A glass of water or maybe a snack? I think I saw some green jello out there. Mm. Caitlin, no response. She's texting. And her mom's still trying to be helpful. She pours a glass of water and says, remember when I was running for state senate? We had that rally in Eugene. Went to a buffet. I think that's, is that Buffet King? It's Buffet King. Okay. Went to Buffet King. Is that, a, is that a real Oregon delicacy? I don't know. Went to Buffet King after, after to meet local union members. And he saw the dessert table. Your eyes got so big. And he took a scoop of every dessert and ranked them by taste, texture, and color. Wait. Is she just taking like pieces of all the desserts that are at a buffet? This is a grand opportunity for someone to be like, lady, control your kid. Yeah, really. <laughs> but whatever. Hit and run victims always be texting. Yeah, it's Caitlin still texting away on her phone. Uh, she's kind of purposely more ignoring her mom's overtures here. And uh, with that trip down memory lane, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, so her mom's just says, Caitlin, please put your phone away. I'm worried about you. What were you doing on the road so late at night? And Caitlin says, Mom, I'm swamped, really. I have to prepare for midterms coming up. Sure. Uh, I have to cancel my shift at the food bank and somehow figure out how to move my interview for the internship with Senator Hastings. Uh, Finally, a problem Caitlin's mom can do something with. And she says, I'll take care of it. I'll make a call. Actually, probably, you don't even need to do the interview. I'll see what I can do. And Caitlin's just like, just stop. I don't need you to do this for me, okay? I can take care of myself. I know how busy you are, so just go back to D.C. and send mom home. This this seems a little weird because we get these details about her other mom, and none of them have names. And, like, they start kind of talking about how the mom works for the campaign or something like that. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird that this comes up. Like, we're, we're only getting this with them saying it to each other. Like, we, we've never really heard this before, you know? Well, like, is it... Is there like a tactical plotting reason for why moms don't have names here? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, know I know Caitlin's not going to necessarily call her mom like, you know, shut up, Abigail, or whatever, unless she, uh, or what is the thing from that one show I love? Shut the fuck up, Shannon! Uh, the girl says to her mom in that cartoon on Netflix. But like, they have the other mom at least refer to the other mom by name. I don't know. Whatever. You know, I was just searching through all my PLL notes to figure out when it was that uh, Senator Hastings resigned from the state Senate because mm-hmm. kn- that that happened. I think uh, Sophia on Twitter pointed that out to us that like how so, is, how is uh, Veronica a senator when she resigned? And I, I noticed that there is a whole lot of lines. Of di- I think this is dialogue or maybe this is just me writing, but the whole lot of resigned to her fate and all these notes here. No, nice. So, so. I hate to be this guy, but this was covered in the fucking text messages that were released on social media. Veronica's now, we saw her resign from the state Senate because Peter's been fucking, Peter's got a lot of jam. Um, but then she ran for like U.S. Senate. Can you do that when you resign from your state Senate seat like a month after you get it? Uh, it's really up to the voters, isn't it? I, I guess so, yeah. I mean, maybe she ran against. Thank you, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, maybe she ran against Yvonne's mom again. That's where her daughter died, man. Burn. <laughs> her dead daughter, who I don't know if you heard, also had an abortion. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was they really did Veronica well, dirty no, there too. She had to no, resign. Veronica's got a great dick. story though. Yeah, she got a great story though because she's now presumably divorced from Peter, right? No, she's still with him. You think so? Oh, that's marriage last. 
<laughs> I'm just picturing Nolan North doing a Bill impression. What can I say? I'm addicted to the puss. <laughs> it is my only vice. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Bill impression or not. Anyway, close enough. You know, I just watched like S25 of PLL recently just because I, I wanted to know, like, am I crazy? The show was great, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that episode is great. And weirdly, there's kind of, you know, squint and it looks the same arcs with both Caitlin and, and Spencer. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Caitlin here is like kind of like, you know, she's lost her her faith in her mom. She realized that it's, you know, that her mom isn't who she thought she was or whatever. And, like, that's the episode where, like, uh, Peter Hastings wants Spencer to kind of, like, throw the game for his clients. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just done so much better there. That kind of... And it's, like, that's the kind of thing that should be happening in high school. That's more mm-hmm. of a, a high school development thing. Like, you know, learning that your parents aren't exactly who you thought they were and not, like, a sophomore or junior in college thing. Yeah, I mean, I think... And granted, I know that happens. I know plenty of people, like, they're they're family waited till they were till the, the the nest was empty mm-hmm. to like finally fess, fess up to how unhappy they are but like yeah you're so you're entrenched in your own life enough that you've just made peace with how, how shitty your parents are i think you know you like you see their failures for what they really are and then can appreciate the good things but also you, you just reminded me when spencer comes home and she's like like hi dad or whatever and peter's just like laughing at his phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways where are we here what's going on nothing i'm fine then look at me uh, i know you would never lie to my face and caitlin says i know what you did and her mom just stares at her and caitlin says i know you cheated on mom and her mom's just like oh shit and she's like how I, I love that question uh and caitlin says so it's true what do you mean so it's true you saw pictures caitlin like what yeah <laughs> well i think she 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 brought up the bullshit story to Claire that they're obviously fake. And I, maybe she's been trying to convince herself that was the case. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that he was locked out of his own hotel room and he needed to borrow some ice. And so, so he just caught us in that moment, but nothing was going on. <laughs> and then I tripped and fell. That's, that's, that's me. It's Caitlin's mom doing the old, it wasn't me. Uh, mm. So yeah, Caitlin just nods, kind of acknowledging the old shaggy defense. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging how right she is. <laughs> Her mom like looks like she's gonna crumple into tears. Uh and then the scene just dies as the soundtrack yeah. rises. And we Thank get God. closer to Mona roving one out in that RV of loneliness. Oh yeah, she she absolutely is just slapping the panic button. Um so in that camper, these like time lapse edits of Mona sitting in a chair, slumping, sitting up, glancing out the window, being bored, I guess waiting. I mean, at this point, wouldn't you just masturbate just to kill a little time? I don't know. So she's waiting. She's waiting for Taylor. That's the idea, right? Um, she goes over the tables. She's back at the chair. She's back at the table. Eventually, she's like looking at her phone. We see her her like screen of her phone. This whole screen of super generic phone apps. One of the apps just says social. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, social. Trans. Oh, let, let me check my social. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we see her going back to that chess app. Uh, Mona makes a single move in checkmate. Come on, a happy smile. Then immediately a message asking if she wants to play again with Bad Bishop. Fuck yeah, she does. She licks her lips, thinking it over. Does she want to do this dance with Bad Bishop again? Hmm. So wrong. So right. Uh, we see her getting herself a glass of water because, you know. Where was that water coming from? Like, how often is Taylor, like, filling up her water tank? Who who tidied up in there? I guess Mona did. <laughs> Mona just cleaned. Mm-hmm. She's like, 
whatever. I'm na- I have natural Adderall like coursing through my veins. I'll just clean real quick. Yeah, be- that that sounds like something Mona would do for sure. <laughs> like, so the line repeating on the song is like, "This is why I can't stop." Oh yeah. Um. So she's back down at the table, sets her water glass down. So this scene we- was weird. Like, what what is it that triggers her curiosity? Just like the table's vibrating or something. Well, so we see that it's vibrating, like because we see the water like you know, bouncing like in the Jurassic Park there. But they do this thing, like in case it's not clear enough, there is this clearly audible hum slash buzz of a generator or whatever. It's like you, it's like it's loud on the soundtrack comparatively. It's like she would have noticed this before. So yeah. she sees this and she's like, "Hmm, that's very curious." So she puts both hands on the table, like feeling the vibrations, and then oh, yeah. she gets up. She kneels down. She's feeling the table legs. She's like, hold on. I'm just going to sit on this table. Yeah. <laughs> put, this, uh, put this washer and dryer on heavy load. Um, so she like feels the table legs. She's, <laughs> she's moving along the, the ground there on the side of the interior. She sees a wire poking out from the low, low, low cable. Yeah. Yeah. The kitchenette. It's really buzzing now. Um, starts opening, opening drawers and getting higher up in those cabinets is feeling around in one cabinet. There's rotini, which is one of the most sexual noodles. There's some chicken broth, um, which my thing autocorrected the chicken brother. There's some saltines. There's a lot, bunch of Tupperware. Taylor's yeah. got a real life. Yeah. So she finds also a remote. So she steps back looking around, wondering what this goes to. She pushes the button on that remote. It lights up blue for a second. makes almost like this like shutter sound. Uh, and then thankfully she had left that cabinet behind her open because the back of it tilts forward, the part where the shelves are, dumps the contents of the shelves onto the floor. And then like a monitor is revealed with like a keyboard and it comes up a screen letting us know that this is Beacon Guard. It's like, welcome to Beacon Guard. It's we see tabs. Yeah, we see tabs for settings and reports and stored. And Mona looks very excited. Like find yourself a girl that will that look at you like Mona looks at an omnipotent computer system that she is definitely going to fuck. And then we're back in the fucking hospital room. You want to pair up for this one? Uh, is it a two for sure? It looks like sure. it. I'll be the cool. mom. Yeah. Cool. Right after uh, the big reveal there that Caitlin knows, her mom says, who else knows? Well, I haven't told mom yet, if that's what you're asking. I'm sorry I put you in this position, and I'm sorry I did this to you and your mother. It was a mistake. What are you, straight now? I love your mother. It ended with him months ago. It was more than once? Your mom and I were going through a tough time, and it was just after I didn't get the attorney general job from that bastard Trump. Uh, your mom can put things behind her and move forward. I need. I needed to mourn the loss. Wow, what an excuse. I needed to mourn the loss of my attorney general job by fucking someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a moment of weakness. I don't want to hear you justify yourself. And mom's getting a little noticing how pissed that Caitlin is. Uh, she says, I know it's a lot to ask, but I need you to do something for me. And Caitlin just stares at her like, what the fuck could this be? I need to know that you will not tell your mother. You want me to lie to mom? Why? Honestly, for like a million reasons. No, because I'm running for governor and I'm a senator. What the fuck? <laughs> Caitlin's just like, OMG. <laughs> I don't know why she's so surprised by this. I don't know. I was like, it's like did your mom. You just established that like your mom has been running for office for quite some time. Like you know how you know the routine, Caitlin. You know how this goes, and now you're acting like this is all fucking new to you. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But I, I need a little more savviness from Caitlin here. 
Um, yeah. This is also just another weird thing that the show, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but they keep on kind of steering into plot lines that we already had on PLL. Um, like, oh, an affair when your parent doesn't want you to tell your mother about it. Like, hmm, that sounds familiar. Spencer, I didn't murder anybody. I murdered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cut to the cemetery. There's some graves that are overrun with moss. Allie's like walking through the graveyard in her black trench coat, looking around for her doppelganger. Her Toyota Fit, is that what it is? Is parked yeah. in the background. Eventually, Allison Actually, Arizona, sorry, that's not... That's, it's a Toyota Yaris, I think. It's Honda Fit. Yeah, sorry. See Yaris? Yeah. Cool. Um, Allie and Arizona on a big white tree trunk. She walks in that direction, looks down a mile, looks down in mile surprise to see Taylor crouching behind on the other side. And she's like, Taylor. Taylor looks up at her forlorn, but hints at a smile, curl at the edge of her mouth. I wish these two, these two, like they should have, their, their scenes should be so much more electric. They should. Electric. Yeah. After commercial, we're back in the cemetery. Taylor's facing away again. She's glum. And she says, you really do think like me. Yeah, sure. And Allie sighs and crouches down to Taylor's level and says, Taylor, why did you sneak out? How would you risk it after telling me that you think it's dangerous for you to come back home? Even because it is, Allie. And Taylor says, you already know the answer. And Allie's like, you needed to say goodbye. Sure. Uh, Taylor nods like that was obvious. And Taylor says, after our dad died, Nolan gave this to me. He wanted me to know he loved me. Bought it at the airport. And uh, she's got this like glass paperweight in her hand in the shape of a heart. And Allie says, he wasn't the only one. Mona's got a big crush on you, too. So does Marco Sparks. Yeah, Taylor says, are you talking about my mom? And it's delivered with, like, the right amount of condescension. If you had a mom. Sorry. Allie says, hiding in the shadows makes you an easy target. Go public and everybody's watching. Until you come back, really come back, you won't be safe. And this is where I was like, hmm, was that the lesson that you took from season five of PLL, Allie? Was that uh, hiding makes you a target, and when you go public, you'll be safer? Okay. <laughs> and anyway, Taylor says, so, you think the dead girl should live again? And Allie smirks because she's the OG dead girl. Uh, meanwhile, back at the hospital, we're looking through the blinds again into Caitlin's room. Uh, she's having it out with her mom. Uh, shall we do this one, too? Sure. So, <clears throat> get inside. Mom, mom. Not telling her the truth is a terrible idea. I've kept secrets from people I care about. It always comes back to haunt you as a 19-year-old. Does it? Like, what what secrets are these, being the rat? I know how much she loves you. I know that this could bring you two closer together. I I know it. Yes, Caitlin, nothing brings a couple closer together than an affair. And her mom says, you're a very wise woman, but I'm sorry. I can't take the risk. When I was a kid, you'd sit us down, just the three of us, and we would decide as a family if you'd run. Do you remember? You're not a little girl anymore. Grow up, Caitlin. Grow the fuck up. So she bouts some more. She's like, so all those dinners, I mean, you said you'd put your family ahead of your political career. That was just bullshit. Yeah, fuck yeah, Freeform. It's because I'm cussing. Yeah, her mom kind of side-eyes her. Slight look of stern disapproval in her eyes, but there's really no steel behind it. I mean, I, I need a little bit more Selena Meyer from Caitlin's mom here. Like, you're a senator, right? You're a U.S. senator. You should, I don't know. She, it just seems like she's, like, way too, like, kind of emotional and empathetic about the whole thing. Like, you should have some brass behind all this. Can we just talk about how Veep has never been better than it is in its final season? <laughs> sure. Uh 
<clears throat> yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Caitlin Law's like, this is some real tough shit to swallow. And she's just like, you already said that. And her mom nods herself, kind of taking the hint and looks way to white eye contact. Caitlin starts to boohoo. She sniffles. Fine. What? I'll do it. I'll keep your secret. Because that's what a Park Lewis does, right? We fall in line and do whatever it takes to make sure you win the race. Thank you. I wanted Caitlin to be like, I was being sarcastic. Still, thank you. Uh, so she rubs her daughter's arm. Caitlin looks crushed and devastated. So her mom gets up and leaves, and then the waterworks really come out. Uh, I, I really can't connect emotionally with this scene too much. She, Caitlin seems remarkably naive for a senator's daughter at a top school, who's at the very least a sophomore, if not a junior. Like she, she's acting like she's fifteen in this scene. I think it's it's you know you're you're doing all the previous episodes, and somebody's like, oh, "This is her secret. Don't you eventually need to do something with the mom?" Yeah. And it's like, I don't think anyone really wants to do anything with the mom. So they just did. I mean, she just, she's like sobbing at the end of the scene. Like she's devastated. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, sure. I guess until now, your mom, a U.S. Senator, just seemed like the most realist and down to earth person you've ever met. What's even more hilarious to me is, so the mom is the Senator. She's the boss of her office. And she tells her wife, no, you got to (laughs) work. I'd really like to meet the, uh, the other mom she's like i'm the cool mom mm-hmm. which is also interesting too because uh sydney park's mom is a director oh really interesting yeah 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 so it's kind of interesting. there was a bit on instagram where she was like visiting her mom at work the other day um her mom seems cool so back at the student union area the cochran student union um things are getting all decked out for the fashion show dylan walks up to zach who's in asshole mode still he's going over a checklist or something at the table like zach is seemingly literally doing every job mm-hmm Dylan's changed into like a slick black blazer, tight fitted white shirt, no tie, no socks. Um, Dylan's like, no, I think he's doing those like those like super tiny socks, where they like don't like the ankle off. socks. Yeah. What was your What was your take on those? I know that was big when I was like in grade school. You were always opposed to those. I know. I I tried it for a while because there was like you know growing up in grade school there was like very few trends that I didn't try mm-hmm. to eventually do. Sure, like wallet and chain. No, I never did wall and chain. Mm. And I never did when like all the other like dudes in like fourth grade got like the uh the bowl the cut. flat top. The flat top. Oh, I had the flat top and there were the bowl cut. Well, here's what the best detail was of all the dudes in class with the flat top. They had that fucking little weird comb and they would always just be like combing their flat tops. Yeah, I never had the comb. And it was like, what the fuck? And then and then the dawn of the rat tail came upon us. And oh, I, I didn't stayed, I I rat far tail. away from that. Yeah, the rat tail, because I saw somebody get grabbed by the rat tail, and I thought, mm. ooh, shit, you're making yourself a target. Take, take anyway. that Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, long story short, no, I didn't do the whole, like, invisible ankle sock thing. I, I need some sock to come above the shoe, you know, a little bit. Mm, you need something to grab onto. Mm-hmm. I hear you. So Dylan's like, hey, uh, did, uh, did uh, Andrew Villarreal pick up his ticket? And Dylan checks his little Rolodex tickets. He's like, um, no. And he holds up the ticket. You want it? Shows about the start. It's a front row seat. And I kind of like this, like, Zach doesn't even recognize Dylan, the performer. Yeah. <laughs> so Dylan's bum tries like really like Zach has some real asshole energy. Yeah. Maybe that's what's uh, getting him to like surf right into all those uh, good times you were promising, like him cleaning up with mm-hmm. presumably the ladies if he's going to have an Ava thing. Um, so Dylan's bum tries to rally some optimism. Dylan's like, he's never missed a performance of mine. He'll show up. I'm sure of it. 
And uh, he's like, thank you. And Zach's just like, whatever the fuck, buddy. I don't care. <laughs> don't I care. Fuck off. That. As yeah. you walk off, I need you to know I don't give a fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to switch over to Ava, who's in like the same general area here. She's giving a talk to each of her three models. Uh, moving to like grab the shoulders of each one as she talks. Like a coach. Yeah, she says, promise me you'll eat something. I can't have my models passing out on the runway. And Ava's, uh, so her fashion, she's in something kind of high-necked and short-handed and glittery. Um, She's really trying to make these turban hat things happen. So if you took this out of context, to me, she is dressed like a character who was another passenger on some mode of transportation that Hercule Poirot is mm-hmm. also taking. Definitely. And yeah. she needs him to know that something mysterious happened the night of the murder. That's definitely how she's dressed. Um, <laughs> but sexy. Uh, just then Dylan kind of sticks his head in from the side of the frame and says, the woman from Vogue is here. And he was like, where? And he kind of drags her out to show her. They walk and talk. He says, in the front row, in, in the black. And he says, everyone in the front row is wearing black. And he says, she's the one in the middle. And they kind of peek around the corner of this like vine and flower bedecked white trellis. And Ava says, with the permafrown? And Dylan's like, mm-hmm. And Ava says, she already looks pissed and the show hasn't even started. Also, she looks like Jamie Lee Curtis's older sister. And that activity going. Dylan, Dylan says, look, it's 745, right? We need to get to the go get the phone. Uh, and he's leading her back to the stationery again. And she says, yeah, well, I sent Allison a text, but I haven't heard back from her. And he says, yeah, I'm sure she's here. And Ava looks away. She's not buying it. And Dylan says, Ava, if, if we don't... Uh, leave now we're not going to make it back in time all right mason's on his way home we have to do this right now for some reason let's go and so he's already on his way out and she's got no choice but to follow pretty much so she shouts some orders at her models as she goes she says okay guys once you go get guys go get dressed just please do not sit lean or lay but do not sit and dylan kind of drags her right out of that scene um so yeah i mean i don't know their friendship at least feels like a friendship so far it these two feel much more of a unit and which is weird because like caitlin's been so isolated too like mm-hmm. they they not they firstly isolated caitlin from ava with the whole i'm a rat thing and then now she's like in the hospital away from them like i kind of feel like they they're they need to get caitlin back in the game soon yeah yeah well and it's like maybe like by pushing the uh the, the fact that like Dylan and Nolan had definitely fucked like in Ava's face. It kind of was the tip of the spear to like get these two closer. Uh, yeah, shout out to Carolyn on Twitter who asked me if I thought there was a relationship brewing there. Uh, friendship for sure. But I definitely was like, I would be very surprised have... if they went there. Yeah. But I was like, these two definitely have a chemistry. And I was even at the time I was like, how much are we going to talk about this on the podcast? So it's nighttime now. There's an owl hooting out in the middle of the field where Taylor's trailer is parked inside. Mona's getting handsy with the secret beacon guard terminal hidden up behind a shelf. The computer beeps. She whispers, oh. And she tries some more, you know, stuff. Like she's infatuated with this machine. So this is like what? Like second base for Mona? Mm, sure. Let's call it that. Yeah. So there's some tappy taps. There's some uh, some beeps. There's a list that appears on the screen. It appears to be the Hotchkiss family, as we saw or heard a little bit of in the pilot. Labeled 0001 through 0005, but the number four is empty. You would have loved the Gravity's Rainbow reference. Um, We're so close to a 0000, but no. Mona's about to fire off her own V2 rocket here, though. She's like reading. She's like, Peter, Claire, Taylor, BH4. Who's that? Also, the Peter camera. That's got to be the easiest camera, right? It's like pointed right at a headstone. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't going anywhere. (laughs) So she taps some keys to find out a big red locked 
dialogue display on the screen. And she's like, note yeah. to Mona. Who the hell is BH4? Note to other Mona. How is it possible that I didn't have already this kind of access to Beacon Guard? Oh, that's right. It's ill-defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does a search for, of herself here. We see a picture of her from the pilot popping up along with a surveillance like video shot of her at the table in the student union when Rory Hogadern was there like changing the light next to her. And Mona goes, hmm. And she types some more. And then the ADR narrates for us what we're seeing on screen. Taylor's Beacon Guard tracks people's locations. Impressive. Why doesn't Mona have this access to Beacon Guard? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we can see that currently Mona is out of range. Mona says, okay, what else can he do? And then she kind of fingers a little deeper on that keyboard. Wow. And we get a side shot. She's standing up the whole time, which seems like it might get uncomfortable after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like weird standing desk in your RV. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, Haley Aaron did bring up that... Uh, uh, as we saw in the pilot, no one was clearly bringing Taylor all of her food. Mm-hmm. So her headcanon was that Taylor was just out hunting squirrels. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Cooking them up. Getting that squirrel meat. Mm, yummy. Um, scrumptious. So back at Allie's place, she rounds the corner from the kitchen, having just made an old-fashioned with the honest-to-God giant ice cube that fits perfectly in the rocks class. I just want to know, does just- Allie have like one of those special ice cube maker things for like the giant ice cubes? for making herself old fashions. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Something she picked up from Peter Hastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire is waiting for her by the hearth. And Allie's like, Claire, I think you might want to sit down. And Claire's like, well, I don't have time to get comfortable, Allison. I was actually on my way to the hospital to see Caitlin and to uh, put the screws to her mom, the senator. <laughs> and Allie's like, I think maybe you should have a sip. I just spent 10 minutes mixing this up. I'm a mixologist now. That's how I justify my drinking as a divorce. Say, yeah, no, she's just hitting the wine, right? Well, and now she's like mixing fancy drinks. I don't know. I I, I mean, this is her weird hobby. Mm-hmm. I would love that. If her and Mona are just having like a weird fancy drinks she's night. She's probably got one of those like things to like bruise mint for making juleps, you know. Mm-hmm. Mona shows up and has some kind of fancy story about how everything you know about absinthe is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so she holds out the drink to Claire. The ice tinkles in the glass. And Claire's like, I really don't like surprises. She takes a glass behind her. An ironic shadow looms as someone comes down the stairs to surprise her. Claire's like, can you please just tell me why it was so urgent for me to stop by? Employee. The floorboard on the stairs creak and Allie looks up past Claire and Claire turns around and sees Taylor waiting for her on the stairs. And it's kind of <laughs> hilarious, overblown shock Claire face from Kelly Brothers right here. Like, oh, she drops the glass. I just. That she just took and shatters the floor, wasting that perfectly good old fashioned, which I love. Huh, sorry. I was going to say, you know, that one gif of it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like some guy is like opening a door and then has a shocked look on his face. It just gets more and more and more shocked. Like, that's what I was thinking of with Claire here. Yeah. Well, I also, I don't know why I had to giggle as we see the glass fall and the glass shatters in a way that it seemingly is vaporized, but the ice cube survives and just does like a little twirly. Mm hmm. Oh, the booze that Ice Cube has seen. So cut to black. And then uh, we're back at the hospital here. Oh, yeah, I was going to say real quick. um, I kind of wonder if if Claire's faking her surprise. It just seems a little overdone. Yeah. I don't know that you can trust the Hotchkiss women. No. Which makes them even more irresistible to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, back at the hospital. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
So the only way is through. <laughs> we pan over from uh, two cops of donuts, uh, Donna's donuts and pies, uh, to Caitlin in bed. She's staring at the cups, contemplative, not at all looking like somebody who just got hit by a speeding car less than a day ago. Also, there's two cards there. Who are the cards from? One of the cards is clearly coffee cup themed, and again, just a reminder. No, I'm not calling you out too hard, but coffee is not a personality. Do, do like Starbucks and, and Donna's Donuts and Coffee, do they have get well cards that you can buy there? Like, was they it just get well cards? Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, Howard Schultz, why don't you get on that instead of uh, running the election? You're getting your coffee. You needed to get somebody to get well card. There it is. But just a get well card. Yeah, with with the you know Starbucks logo on it or something too. <laughs> not not even just a. So you're having another fucking kid, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you don't want to do too much because then you got like I'm sorry, you know, happy birthday, condolences. They, what, kind of, what kind of shit do they still sell at Starbucks? Do they still sell like all the CDs and things? I don't know. I mean, they, I think they sell lots of weird shit that like I don't know who buys it. The only thing I ever buy from Starbucks is like a mocha or like um you know like a pastry or something. But they sell all kinds of weird stuff there. Like tumblers and different types of yeah, fucking yeah. merchandising and shit. Anyway. I don't drink coffee. I think they sold Howard Schultz's book there for a while too. I seem to remember that. Oh. Like his sure. fucking book was just there right at the counter. I mean, at Blockbuster, they sold fucking Sumner Redstone's book. Yeah, I remember that. You could fucking buy that there. Half people don't even know who the fuck that guy is. No, I'm sorry, over half people don't know who the fuck that guy is. Um which here's a question for it. Did we ever talk about this? Did they actually sell Ostinato at the rear window brew? Um, I mean, you know, Ezra wrestled with that. Like I know we saw it on sale somewhere else. I'm not sure if we saw it at the the rear at window. The used brew mystery bookstore, yeah, next to the, the Ivy. Uh, what's it called? Ivy Dunbar. But like you know, he fucking wrestled with. It. Like you know, he had like a late night conversation. He's like pacing of Aria. I really want to sell my book, but is that pretentious? No, he definitely did after a while. Benari is just like, as at a certain point, you and I just have to own how pretentious we are. Here's some pie to the face. Anyway. There's a knock. The- it's Jeremy. Oh, boy. Jeremy says, I know you asked me to stay away, but I couldn't. And she rolls over and smiles gratefully as he closes the door behind him and comes over. And she says, thanks for the coffee. And he says, are you okay? I've been worried sick about you. Caitlin says, I'll be fine, really. And says, look, about last time. And she cuts him off and says, there's something I have to do. And they kind of both pause because they're talking, talking over each other. And he smiles and moves a chair over to sit right next to her. And he goes, well, you go first. And Caitlin says, okay. And he gives her a long kiss on her hand to show that he cares. And she sighs and says, there's something I have to tell you. And I want to be completely honest with you. And he's holding her hand and nodding sincerely. But he's got to be thinking at least 50% she's about to dump him right here. Right. Dumping someone from a hospital bed? That sounds fun. I mean, you can't go anywhere. Well, you can't go anywhere. But but if it gets nasty, you just press that little button. Mm, unless uh, Mason blocks you from pressing it, as we'll see later. I was, I was going to say, just like having the nurse then throw the person out. Oh, that's juicy. Mm-hmm. Jeremy takes it the wrong way. He just does that like Giles move where he covers Caitlin's mouth and nose. <laughs> you see, Caitlin's a good person, but I am not. <laughs> Uh, Caitlin says Nolan's dead but there's someone else who knows my secrets what secrets uh, and that person did this to me I mean so her secret is that like she's the rat maybe and um, the thing about the mom I guess it seems like I don't know I, I guess she's concerned about the mom thing for her mom but I need something a little more personal well like 
Is Jeremy the one person she told? I guess so. I don't know. They've brought it up enough times that I feel like, is that supposed to be important? Yeah. Mace, or uh, Nolan is the issue. He told one person. Well, that's debatable. Maybe he didn't. Maybe she figured it out on her own. No, oh, I thought. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's she, what our uh, our feedback was about. Yeah. She... Anyways, uh, that one person did this to me on purpose, and he looks away and kind of puzzled, and she sighs, and the camera pulls back as she begins to spill her tea. She says, "His name is Mason Gregory, and I've known him since I was a kid. It's important that I get you really riled up about this guy now, so that later." After I learned that this was all a big misunderstanding, you'll still go after him, out for blood, and make things worse. So, somehow Mason returns next week, and Jeremy walks up to him and, like, takes off his gloves finger by finger and smacks drops Mason it in across the him, face. Yeah. Well, at first he smacks him yeah. across the face, and then he drops the glove. You and I, sir, sundown in the beautiful field by the orchard, west of the, uh, whatever. Name Choose your, your weapon. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Jeremy's like, swords. I choose swords. Jason's <laughs> like, pistol. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, back at so, Allie's place, uh, she's texting Mona. The package is secure. All good to leave. I guess I can stop texting and code now. Finally, uh, some spicy texting. Package is secure. So she looks over to see Claire. Taylor's still hugging, getting emotional, overjoyed. Uh, Allison's like, well, it's my place, but I guess I'll leave. Sure. So she smiles, she grabs her jacket, but she's putting it on. She notices ominously that the beacon guard box in her living room has been put back, plugged back in. And there's now one of those see-through plastic lock boxes that you see like on the air conditioning in a place like there. So she can't disable it again. So she narrows her eyes, concerned, takes it off as Claire and her daughter continue to hug it out. Also, she didn't take her fucking phone with her. Yeah, sure. Because we needed her to not have her phone so she wouldn't get a text in the next one. <laughs> it's also, it's like, Al, thanks, Allison. You're fired now. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> yeah, also, uh, you're expendable. <laughs> if you ever vandalize school property again, we'll dock your pay and trust us, you don't make more money than that thing costs. <laughs> so, so tend to get a little weird. Yeah, we're by the sewer grate where Caitlin got creamed by that car for a very odd, like, extended riff on it. Uh, Dylan and Ava are crouching over the grate. He's got a little flashlight now. She's in this like big oversized puffy hooded coat. And she says, are you sure you saw it go in there? And Dylan's like 100%. So like he's witnessing a car accident like three feet from him or something. And he's just like phone sewer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like he's like, hey, maybe if I've been paying more attention to Caitlin. Mm-hmm. But also, I noticed this the other day. Whenever I like am walking to my car, depending on how antsy I am, I pull my keys out, right? But I also like if I see any kind of like grate or drain, it's like I I grip them even tighter because for some reason I had this irrational fear that like, oh god, what if I drop my keys down this grate? I've literally never thought that. Mm. I'm just a mess. Has that ever happened to you? No, of course not. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I said it's an irrational fear. Okay. I mean, I have an irrational feeling getting parking tickets or towed, so been there. Getting parking tickets or towed? Yeah. What are you doing that you're I don't, risking this? I don't like parking on the street. Are you are you like a guy who's like, you have a hard time like parallel parking on no, that stuff? I have a full? very, very good parallel parker, but I don't like doing it for extended periods of time. Like right now, they're like painting my apartment building so I can't park in my spot and I have to park on speed. It's driving me fucking nuts. 
Ooh. You worried something's going to happen? Oh, because you've had shit happen to your car before. Mm-hmm. At your, at your place of residence. Oh, yeah. You yeah, should be worried. Once bitten. Ooh, so like you're just bringing all kinds of weird anxiety to this podcast right now, aren't you? That's exactly what I'm bringing. It's delicious. Ava says, I know it's not the same thing as getting hit by a car, but I'm about to rummage through a sewer looking like, and she looks at the camera and winks, perfection. And he laughs. And she takes off her big coat and puts it down so she can kneel on it. And he says, well, if we can find his phone, we can prove Mason did all this and, and all this will be over. Uh, sure, whatever. Um, he holds out another cat flashlight for her and she says, for Caitlin. She takes it and says, for Caitlin. He's like, ready? She's like, yeah, on three. And he goes, all right. And they each get a grip on the sewer grate and they go, and Ava says, one, two, three. And there's a grinding clatter. They kind of lift the grate, pull it to the side to make an opening big enough to fit through easily. And they both gasp and look down. Dylan winces, maybe from the smell. They're both shining their lights down. He says, you see anything? And Ava's like, no, do you? And he's like, not really. Uh, the camera's below looking up at them. It's very much like a lock looking down into the hatch and lost type of shot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just then Dylan looks up because something caught his eye from kind of a, a high angle shot. We see a pink balloon with a pig face on it. It's just like drifting by like this is it. And Dylan stands up to stare at it. He's curious. And then while he's distracted by this weird pink balloon, there's a sudden like and a scream from Ava. and She's gone. She's fallen into the sewer. And he's just like, Ava? And he looks down through the grate, can't see anything. Ava! Um, it seems like a fall into a sewer head first like that would hurt quite a bit. Yep. I guess maybe she did, like, she's like a cat where she like did a miraculous flip and landed on her feet. Ava Jalali, fashionista, hacker, gymnast. Sure. We can add that to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... At this point, this you might as well. <laughs> this whole sequence is so fucking weird. It's like... I get that all the references like float down here, but like, why is, is the pig man like uh, like a joke played by the cops for the set up this thing? Or like, is I need to know is there an actual literal fucking pig man? Because <laughs> that's that's a big goddamn deal. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back in the trailer, Mona's still getting busy with this computer. Her her phone beeps. She checks it. We can see that she's. Looking at Mason Gregory now, and the text is from Allison. It's the one we saw before. The The package is secure. All good to leave. I guess I can stop texting in code now. <laughs> Mona basically rolls her eyes at this because, unlike Allison, she knows this is a dumb move. So she goes back to typing, and then she tries to pull up Mason's current location. He's BH00205, Mason Gregory. He's back at Beacon Heights now. And she says, Mason is in Beacon Heights? That's not possible. The crew team's not supposed to be back until 10. Another brilliant plan foiled. So she checks her phone again and frowns, and she's like, okay. So she does a check and sees that he re-entered Beacon Guard range at 8. She scowls and texts Allison, SOS, Mason's back in Beacon Heights. And then Mona sighs, and she's like, come on, Allie. And she's concerned because will she go? Will she set this computer some more? She will stay. Yeah, so this is why I was thinking that Mason did go, and it's just coming back early or something. Because, like, he, he just got back into range. I mean, so, well, we'll talk about it. this episode to me, like there's some, there's a lot of, you know, like you said, issues or parallels or bits taken from, from PLL, but it's, it's very much uh let the water hold me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so cut down to the sewer where Dylan is now standing at the bottom of a very convenient ladder that's built into the side of the wall. I guess that was like right where the grate was. Yeah. Uh, so he's down there with he's got his flashlight out 
Uh, really? Why would you do this uh, triple somersault and land on like, like a cat yeah. when you could just take in the ladder? Seriously, Ava. It really looks like more of a storm drain, but sure. Uh, so Dylan's sure. like, Ava? And he's breathing hard and slowly heading deeper down the tunnel. There's a dim light at the far end, but a lot of pitch black in between that light and where he is. And he's like, Ava? And then we hear a scream, like Ava screaming bloody murder in the distance. And he jogs down the tunnel towards that sound. Ava, Ava. Welcome back to Carcosa. To yeah. Back to the hospital. It's dark in Caitlin's room. She sleeps off some internal injuries from a high-speed impact. Camera slowly pans around Caitlin. We see the door behind her. It opens and a silhouette of a figure enters. We know it's Mason because the silhouette is really short. Caitlin <laughs> half asleep is like, mm, Mom? And the door closes. Caitlin rolls over and her eyes suddenly widen in horror as Mason walks up to her out of the shadows. And she goes, oh, my God. She's got nowhere to go as he looms right over her. Yes, yeah. it's very much let the water hold me down here. There's um, something I need to tell you. Yeah. So cut to the alley at the fashion show. Music's pumping. Uh, show is in full swing. She walks around. walks with the model holding her clipboard. And she's like, have you seen my clipboard? No, she says, have you seen Ava? And the model's like, no. And then I was like, you're on in 20 minutes. So she spots Zach nearby running some shit with a headset on. There's another girl next to him with a headset and a checklist of her own. I guess Zach's, yeah, his major is event coordinating or sure. whatever <laughs> with a minor in SAS. Um, so Allie's like, Zach, have you seen Ava or Dylan? And he's like, no, not since the show started. Maybe they're out picking Snapdragons. <laughs> Real shit-eating grin on his face. He waves some models by the stage. Duke could not care less. Again, aforementioned no fucks given. He's such a dick that I almost like him in a way. Um, Allie, again, like wonders why she ever thought this guy would be useful. And turns She's like, like why did I vouch for you? Yeah, that was a huge mistake. That makes me look bad. I don't care more than I do, but whatever. So this giant digital clock behind her, it says it's 830. Um, in the sewer, Dylan's moving slowly again, breathing hard as things drip and echo around and making sewer sounds. His flashlight goes out, and he does that very unwise thing of, like, pounding the lens of his hand as hard as he can. Does this work outside of the movies? I feel like that's just a good way to, like, break the bulb, you know? But I mean, has anyone like ever just like smacked their flashlight anywhere and that's worked? Like, yeah, I'll, I will give him credit after he pounds on it for a while. He starts to unscrew it. It's like, yeah, do that. You know, like make sure, you know, unscrew, screw back in. All your connections are solid there. Yeah. Uh, suddenly a hand sl- slaps him on the shoulder from behind. He turns around. It's Ava. She covers his mouth and holds a hand up to her lips to shush him. Ooh, a shush her. Uh, and she's terrified. And she whispers and says, we're not alone here. Something pulled me here. She sounds just like that, yeah. And Dylan says something or someone. And she's whispering, says, I don't know. I think I peed my pants. He knows someone, every inch of my body. Someone peed my pants. I don't know if it was baby me or old man me. <laughs> Jump scare. There's a big bang and a growl on the foley as a weird pink pig man thing rises up behind Ava. <laughs> Ava spins and sees it and shrinks. Yeah, Dylan just shit his pants for sure. Uh, Ava spins it and sees it and she shrieks and he's just like, run! And they book it. Uh, running further into the sewer away from this weird pig man silhouette. And Ava's just like, oh my god! And he's like, what the fuck was that? Turns out he was just a, a little mental patient. <laughs> Is that the one where the body falls on George's car? I don't remember that one. Um... So before we can process that, we're back to Caitlin losing her shit and trying in vain to reach out for the call button to summon help. Oh, that breakup went bad. Caitlin's like, help. And Mason's like, no, 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 no. I need you to be quiet so I can finish what I started. 
He covers her mouth so she can't scream, but underneath his hand, she's sobbing in fear because it's commercial time. It's time to sell some products. So it's weird that we had both of these scenes. Like either one of them, I feel like could have gone to the commercial. Yeah. Like the momentum here is like, I guess they're trying to build momentum, but it's very strange. I mean, it, it kind of works, I guess. It, it, certainly better in the previous episode. So after the commercial, we return to the sewers. Dylan's leading Ava down more tunnels. Somehow, I mean, how do they know where they're going? Somehow Ava got her jacket back. Maybe it fell in after her. Also, I realized that she just touched his face with her sewer hands a moment mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's in your mouth, Dylan. Dylan's like, come on, my God, come on. Go, 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 go. And she's looking back as they run. And she's All like, you gotta oh, do is trust me and follow me. We got to get the fuck out of here. She's like, oh, my God. And there's a light up ahead. He's like, come on, hurry. So seemingly there were, there were just some bushes there covering the entrance to a sewer you can just like walk right out of because after a rustle, we're rushing through the woods, which I feel like, like is one of the ways they get out of like the lower ends of the, the Radley later in PLL, right? Um, like, Kind of. It, like, it yeah. just like dumps them out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Ava's like, where are we? And he's like, I don't even care. What the hell was that? And she's like, I don't know. Was it Mason? And he's like, you mean the pig man with bulging eyes who's going to haunt my dreams forever? No, pig man was too tall to be Mason. <laughs> I wish he was weird and Southern now. It's too fun. Yeah, She checks her watch and he's, she's like, we have 15 minutes to get to campus. Let's go. But up ahead, a car door slams and they look up to see a smug and satisfied Dana Booker walking up to them from Dylan's station wagon. So like, was she just in his car? She was making sure he has a couple copies of her business card. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I'm just going to drop these off. And Dylan has a look at him. And he's just like, look at that soft white, subtle off white coloring, the tasteful <laughs> thickness of it. Oh my God. It's, it even has a watermark. It says, Dana Booker, I'm a rent a cop, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she's- time for Booker to be very satisfied. She says, is this what you're looking for? And holds up a cell phone inside of a plastic evidence bag. And she's like, we found it in the sewer. Why did they search the sewer? Whatever. Uh, Why did Caitlin have Mason's phone? And Dylan says, because Mason killed Nolan. Caitlin knew that his phone could prove it. And Booker says, and maybe you're hoping to manipulate his phone to tell that story and throw the stink off the real killer. But I got there first. Also, you guys stink. Yeah. And Dylan's just like, what the fuck ever? And Ava can't believe they're back on this bullshit. Uh, and Booker's like, and you know what this phone tells me? My hunch about Mason was right. He didn't kill Nolan. He was at a crew party that night. There are multiple witnesses who can verify that, including Beacon Guard surveillance footage. Mason was nowhere near Thorn Hall the night of Nolan's death. So I'm not sure why this phone proved anything to me that I didn't already know. But there you go. That's what a real alibi looks like. And she just walks off, just like, burn, got him, I'm a rent-a-cop. And they just roll their eyes. What I need now is I need her to, like, whip out the walkie-talkie and be like, Officer Dale, you can take off the pig helmet or whatever and come on out. It's like, I need to know about the pig man. I just, just get- like, this phone proves to me, well, it doesn't prove to be anything, because here's all the actual information that already proves where Mason was. So I don't know why I'm making a big deal about this phone. Yeah, well, I'm just going to walk past the urban legend of the Beacon Heights Pigman, the mm-hmm. Phantom of the Farm. Right. Uh, so in the hospital, Caitlin's still I have a theory out. about the Pigman at the end of the episode. You think it's uh, like a fucked up Nolan Hotchkiss clone? Yes. He's like, Taylor, I broke up of Ava. <laughs> Ava, it's me. Oh. And she just like cuts his head off. Want some truffles? Um, so in the hospital, Caitlin's still freaking out. There's, <laughs> you hope that there's a bedpan under Mason. <laughs> 
like he's just under Caitlyn. Yeah, I hope there's a bedpan under her ass right now. She's got to be evacuating her bowels. It's fight or flight, man. (laughs) I I just watched an episode of The Office where like Dwight milks a goat, and you hear like the little like sound of like squirt hitting Mm -hmm. the squirt hitting the metal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that like is that a bedpan sound? (laughs) If you got if you got the power behind it, you know. Well, yeah, put some. I mean, I don't know if you're that scared. I imagine you're moving product. So Mason slowly withdraws his hand from her mouth, and he's like, "Now I really am sorry that I scared you, but I need to tell you the truth tonight. When I heard you got hit by that car, nothing else mattered. That's why I waited 24 hours to come to her hospital room. Um, all I could think about was how great things used to be between us, and how and all the awful things I put you through since Nolan died, because I felt like I was to blame." So he pauses, takes a breath, like looking contrite, looking humble. And he's like, Kate, I, I pressured you at the cabin. You had every right to do what you did. Did he? Did she? I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? Is it I mean, okay to assault? I, was he pressuring her? Maybe a little? I mean, he was creepy, but I don't know if he was like. It didn't seem like he was like implying that she had to do this because he was blackmailing her or anything. Um, and I don't know if she's also justified in bashing him over the head either, but sure. Yeah. So she calmed down a little bit now. He's like, you know, I ditched the team. I didn't even compete. That's why we lost. I guess he did leave. Whatever. So did he fly back on his own? I, I, sure. He was anyway, that the, broken up that he needed to like go find her right away and tell her the truth after scaring the shit out of her. Yeah. Uh, Kane's like, you expect me to believe you after everything you put us through after blackmailing us? And he's like, no, I screwed up big time. And she's like, yeah, you did. And he's like, truth is, Kate, I admired Nolan. The way he could get people to, to do for him, how he was always number one of not having to do the work, I wanted that. When he died, it was my chance to do what he did, to be him. And she looks disgusted by this because this is a weird thing to admit to admiring. I don't yeah. – I get that you – admire it but it's a weird thing to admit keep that to yourself mason's like but i've realized that being known is not who i am so the, the blackmailing was just was just cut it was a whim mm-hmm. let's try it out it's like a hat you try on for a few days and you're like um, oh, yeah i'm not a hat guy <laughs> what do i do with all these secrets now um kane's like how the hell did you know about Jeremy and everything else you had on my friends? And he's like, Kate, I was, I was known as insurance policy. He pissed off so many people, mostly you three, that he wanted to make sure at least one person knew who his enemies were in case something happened to him. Good plan, Good plan. Nolan. Yeah. So Kate believes this because his story is just dumb enough to be true, which can you imagine being like, Mason, you're my insurance policy. Also, let's fuck. And they may Look, have. Yeah. That's why he was so weepy. Um, but he's like, I won't be bothering you anymore. I'm leaving the plot of the story behind. So Jeremy attacks me next week. And he turns to go, but she sits up and she's like, Mason, what was in the I want what was in the box? All of it. And Mason's like, What box? And she's like, No one's stash of secrets. He kept at the greenhouse. I, I don't know anything about that, he says. Kane's like, You didn't steal it. And Mason says, Everything I know about you, Kate, no one told me. If he had some kind of box of secrets stashed away. And he kind of scoffs, looks chagrined. He's like, huh, I guess no one had two insurance policies. He nods, like, all of these actions over the last four episodes make perfect logical sense. Um, so she's panicked because their stash of secrets mixed with that old pot of Mason's is still out there, if they ever existed at all. So maybe if, like, 
contemplating the dangers and jumping to wild conclusions based on no evidence all will occur to her or, you know, hanging out in the middle of the street. Yeah, are you sure he has a secret stash of clues? This is all based on Ava saying that I know where he kept his pot. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. And they're but like, also, oh, well, he must have like kept weird like dossiers <laughs> on each of us and they hid them with his pot stash. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that fancy. But again, we mentioned it. But I'm 100 that bitch. So let me just throw in. Remember that time Hannah bonked Lucas on the head of an oar, and he came crawling to her bedroom at night to tell her while soaking wet that he had spent all of Caleb's money on March Madness. Well, it's the whole the character needs to scare the shit out of a person before being like, oh, I just there's something I needed to tell you. It's not that you're so afraid that you've pooped, but I know that you'll really hear me. <laughs> so fashion show time. The crows are cheering. No, the crowd is cheering mm. and clapping for the models as they catwalk. Except for Jamie Lee Curtis there, who looks very discern, or stern and discerning as ever. She's uh, very stoic. Camera. She needs more of that. Make you go poop yogurt. Get a nice little shot here as the camera kind of pans over the models uh, and then moves right back and like follows one of those models backstage. Like it's a pretty cool shot. Uh, I mean, I feel like Sherry Appleby was just like, trust me, <laughs> we did this all the time on Unreal. I can do this. <laughs> Yeah, so it's 8.45 now. Ava and Dylan are just rushing up. They hurry over to the makeup table. I think we're supposed to get that they look covered in filth, but although the grime makeup on Ava is pretty light. I, I, like, it could just be heavy contouring. Uh, yeah. Ali walks over to Dylan as Ava tries to wrangle her models, and he's using a little wipe to clean his hands, and Ali's like, hey. And he says, Dana got to the phone before us, and it wasn't Mason. He was at a crew party all night. Phone proves it, and so does Beacon Guard. Maybe they should have checked his alibi in the first place before trying to drug him. Uh, and Allie's like, okay, later. And Dylan's like, okay. And she pats him on the back and turns away to grab Ava. And she says, Ava, your Snapdragons came in. Your models, they're good. Is that sewage? And Allie smirks. And uh, Ava says, yeah, it's kind of a long story. And she turns her models and says, okay. And Allie says, it's okay. And Zach says, you're on in two minutes. As he just kind of like walking by the some models to, to Dylan there. And and then he comes over to Dylan and he's like, hey, your friend never came to pick up the ticket. I had to give the seat away. Was that really necessary to tell Dylan this right then? I don't know. I mean, I get giving the seat away. It's front row. But yeah, telling him right before he goes on. Can they give away your ticket? <clears throat> like, do you have well, to show up for it? I don't know. But still, I would think at a fashion show, like the front row thing. Well, okay. Again, this isn't fucking fashion week. It's not like we're in Milan or New York yeah, or whatever. There's like but- 12 people out there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in a real fashion show, I could see where, like, you definitely want the people sitting along the runway. Yeah, seat filler. Yeah. Yeah. So Zach kind of turns away and grimaces. He's like, what's that smell? And uh, Ava rolls her eyes at him and joins Dylan at the mirror uh, to panic about her appearance. We kind of skipped over the Andrew didn't pick up his ticket thing. So, you know, in your face, Dylan, but addition by subtraction. Don't feel bad. Mm. Uh so, yeah, well, unless we here? well, unless uh, Dylan says, well, unless we do this thing naked, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. And this do it. triggers an idea in Ava's weird brain. She steps away to kind of appraise her outfit in a full length mirror. She loves what she sees because she sees herself. And she says, oh, my God, derelict. That's it. And Dylan's like, what? I was joking. And Ava says, no, just take off that filthy jacket and go play your ass off. And he's like, what? She's like, I'm serious. Go, trust me, play your ass off. So Dylan takes off his blazer. And of course, he he like undoes his cuffs too in order to kind of look properly chill and underdressed here. 
Meanwhile, Ava's doing something at the makeup table and just like smiling at her own genius here. Her dark genius. So, so it's fashion show time. Dylan comes out doing a violent cover of Born This Way, which I think is interesting because all these instrumentals are covers by some actual artists. So this artist here is Jesse Green, by the way. So the audience is like chilling and like cheer to the point where they're, they're cheering at the point. Like before, I think you would actually recognize this riff anyway, but they're cheering. Jamie Lee Curtis even perks up like like he's nailing it, even strutting as he does a loop and comes back to stand by the catwalk. I, just, I don't know I, why you don't. I really, really, really wanted him to just go full river dance here and start doing a little Irish jig. Like I feel like even he wants to. You can see like he's kind of kicking his legs out a little as he walks. I would take everything bad I said about the show that happened. Like if you just like went full like Irish jig and like did a little routine and everyone's just cheering him on, it'd be so weird. It'd be great. Here's Michael Flatterly <laughs> playing Lady Gaga on electric violin. Even if it was just that thing where he like kicked his heels together <laughs> to the side. That would be great. But I'm kind of looking at this and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not the person who gives a fuck about fashion shows because they seem totally impractical to me. But like why don't you make models play music while you walk out? Why the fuck not? It would make it more, I don't know, purposeful to me. But so the model, the models are coming out, like they're doing their thing. It's not a huge runway. So like, he's kind of in the way. Stand to the side there. Yes. He's moving his arms like crazily to play his electric violin. So uh, all the fashion here seems to be just like black with gold sparkles. You mentioned uh Tiso's color palette for her butterflies works a lot better. I think uh, for Swifties, you're either a butterflies person or you're a snake person. Mm-hmm. I think we know who we are. Um, pick your teams, you know, your mission. Uh, backstage, Ava turns away from the mirror to Allie and, and Ava's like, how do I look? And they walk to the stage and Allie's like, honestly, like a hot mess. And Ava's like, perfect. And then she bites the head off of a puppy. And like, I guess her hair looks a little bit more messy now. Her hair's all like weird and kind of stringed out and messy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like she's like maybe an evil fortune teller now. Um, so everyone's clapping as Ava steps out next to the other models in the stage entrance. This her portion of the fashion show is two and a half minutes long, if that. We can see that her legs have like lots of like brownish grime on them, um, which I don't know. It looks like it's like something you would do to look like you are a chimney sweep character in a short skirt for she some. Definitely reason. looks more like a chimney sweep than like someone who's in the sewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's also that's feces, you guys. That's mm-hmm. poop. Um, that's old road. It's from your butt. <laughs> that's where it comes from or your face. Uh, so Ava kind of gathers herself as a few people frown at her appearance and she nods and steps out on the catwalk. So Dylan stops playing now so she can give a big dumb speech. And this is such a juice chill moment. I just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are we going to, is this going to be the kind of show where like there's an uplifting speech at the end of almost every episode or something? Well, like, we already had her like stupid Vogue video that she did. And she narrated the pilot, yeah. sort of. But I wanted Zach to come up with his, his uh, headset and be like, yeah, the other designers didn't actually do speeches. It's a <laughs> yeah. fashion show. Yeah, we actually don't do speeches. I don't know what I don't you're... know if you know how this works. <laughs> but so she's like, thank you all for coming. When I first started this collection, it was all about being perfect. Every stitch in the right place, every accessory paired perfectly with each design. Because I spent my whole life trying to be perfect. We spent our whole lives trying to be clean, but that... That's just not how life works. And sometimes the most beautiful things can come from the ugliest of places. She looks right at like Vogue, Jamie Lee Curtis here, LOL. And it was like, and from our imperfections, we learn and we grow. And from the dirt blooms the flower. 
And she like nods this extremely profound shit. And even like like Jamie Lee Curtis like ate all this up. She starts like clapping like crazy. I didn't realize oh. at first that it was Vogue Lady who does the like clapping before everyone else is clapping thing here. But yeah. it is. Yeah. You've done it again, Ava. Congratulations. Brilliant. Start throwing roses at her. Start throwing snapdragons at her. And again, I just want Zach to just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh. So Ava laughs and she bows to the little Vogue lady and, Al- and Allie smirks from the audience, like happy from her. Also the girl next to Allison's cute. Uh, Dylan plays it some more and Ava's like joined oh, by her one? other left free ball. Right? Uh, I think the one to the left. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, am I wrong? I wasn't totally sure that one of these wasn't Sherry Appleby. I don't think it is, but like I could be talked into it. Oh, now I need to. You talk while I the, go. The one with the... the leopard print. I don't think it is, but can't say for certain. What's the timestamp? Uh, this is at uh, thirty-eight fourteen. So, anyways, Vogue Lady ate that shit up. Dylan starts playing again. Ava kind of joins her other models, and they all kind of take hold hands and take a big bow. Um, I didn't mention it yet, but there's in the background there's projectors showing like the same eight stock photos on on slide screens, um, just kind of looping. <laughs> Oh, the mo- no, no, none of the models are her. No, um, okay. yeah. Um, so, like Ava's aesthetic in these pictures, it's not even like Pinterest. It's like post secret. <laughs> yeah, we pan up to a chandelier that's in the fashion area. I, I guess it's maybe installed just for this. Maybe that's what she meant about setting her lights up. Oh, brother! Yeah, I need you to install my chandelier. I'm also mm-hmm. loaded. Obviously, I have a budget for this. Um, again, I, I I feel like if the show gets canceled, which is not what I want at all. I want the show to modify and get renewed and have a long life. But if it does get canceled, I here's my thing: Why don't I have Ava just pop up on the bold type? Why not? I've never watched it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fashion magazines. Sure. Yeah, she could uh, be the weird fashion designer. I mean. I, I, I assume all like hardcore fashion people are incredibly weird. So I think she'd fit right in there. Cool. Um, Dylan walks backstage. I kind of like how he like, he just hands off his violin and bow to some like rando, like, like, like this guy's a roadie or something. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here you go. He just like Holt passes it off. And then it like, he even like, he takes like his coat from some other girl. Like <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> like he's a violin rock star. Uh, and then he's immediately rubbing his uh, his shoulder, of course. Because he played 35 seconds of a cover of a Lady Gaga song. Yeah. So the, the rando's like, oh, that was great. And then we hear Ava in the background saying, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, it was awesome. Thank you so much. And she spots Dylan rubbing his shoulder. And she says, hey, are you okay? Of course, he's going to pretend he's fine. And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. That was awesomely bad. And Ava says, I mean, how, how did we pull that off? And he's like, that was amazing. And she goes, it was amazing. And they do a double high five. And she's like, thank you. Couldn't have done it without you. And another rando just comes up and hands them both these two underage students, like flutes of champagne. And she's like, thank you. Enjoy the Smartinellis. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a real thing. It's it's the theater. Um, Ava, like, or uh, like, look over to Allison, who just like winks and like looks away. Yeah. <laughs> Ava says, thank you so much. And she looks over and happens to catch uh, Zach the asshole just kind of brooding in the corner watching her. And Ava's had enough of the school. She walks over to talk to him and says, what is your damage? And Zach says, you really don't know who I am, do you? And she's like, should I? No, Ava, you shouldn't. I says, I'm Zach Fordston. And she blinks. 
Uh, she, he says, maybe you'd seen my dad's name in your court documents, Kevin Fordson. And she's still just like, who? He's like, your dad stole my parents' life savings, my college fund, everything. And Ava nods, like trying to show that like, oh, I understand your butthurtiness. But also like, why the fuck would you think I knew who you were? And he's just like, any more questions? And he gives her a snotty look and takes off. And she turns away. All the joy of her fashion show moment is gone now. Don't worry, Ava, you'll be fucking this guy in a couple episodes, I'm sure. Here's my theory, though. We get two episodes where it's like it's kind of like wrestling. We eventually like they overcome each other. They start dating or they, they have sex. And then he just like, ha. Then, he, then he goes, sir. Yeah, he goes. It's like, I win. Yeah, that's my payback. Now you I have just, herpes. I just, <laughs> I just made off to you in bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Ew. Now you have herpes. <laughs> like, did he did he have herpes before? Did he go out especially to get herpes to give it to her? Yes. He's like, I know it's a, it's a Pyrrhic victory, but whatever. So later at the hospital, the perfectionists are all together for the first time, uh, for the last time, for the first time, catching Caitlin up on the new shit. Um, they're in her, her room. Ava and Dylan are back in street clothes. Now he looks very different with a black beanie. He on, looks totally right. different. Yeah. I mean, the dude knows how to look cool when he wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, by street clothes, we also mean that Ava's dressed like teen Joan Crawford. I mean, those fucking shoulders. The shoulders. Whoa. I just, yeah. <clears throat> and she's like. Note for oh season my. two. Ease up on the shoulders. Yeah. Well, note for season two. What, what what even was the fashion on PLO? And then ask yourself, what are we doing here? Um, Ava's like, all right. If the pig man wasn't Mason, then Dylan's like, is that what we're calling him? The pig man? Because I don't. That's not nearly as scary sounding as it needs to be. It's a nice meta comment there, yeah. And Kane's like, it was a warning, right? Someone out there has our secrets and they want us to know it. Or, or a rival school mascot got drunk, wandered into the apparently very accessible walk-in sewer, and he just ran into him. Yeah. Uh, not on campus. Just off of the old road, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dylan nods at Caitlin here, and for some reason, this makes Caitlin smile, and she's satisfied. This becomes a real moment for all of them. And Ava sits in the bed, leaning closer to Caitlin, and she's like, I'm really sorry about the things I said to you. Caitlin takes her hand. She looks like she just might be high on painkillers. I just keep pushing that little button, mm-hmm. and they just keep coming. It's great. <laughs> Caitlin's like, it's okay. You had every right to be mad. If it wasn't Mason, then we're back to square one, you guys. And they was like, no, it's worse. It's worse than square one. Kate, you're in the hospital. The game's changed. Does it seem like every episode ends with some conversation, like retextualizing the stakes and like what the yeah. show's about? Yes. We're being told rather than shown, of course. But then like, then there's something that's been bugging me. And they lean in and listen as he stands and like takes the floor. I'm surprised he doesn't like turn his back to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, or it was no, like, I think Cherry Appleby's not about that. Yeah, but I, I, in the blocking of the perfectionists, are we done with the back turning now that they're a unit? Like now in the second half of the season, are we all like facing each other? I don't know. So Dylan's like, I mean, maybe we've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe the person who's doing this didn't kill no one. Or maybe they think that we did. And they was like, and she's been using our secrets to drive a wedge between us to break us apart. And I was like, she, oh. And Dylan like points at Ava like, yep, nailed it. And Caitlin's like, divide and conquer. And Dylan and Ava in unison say, Dana, Dana Booker. Booker. I was hoping we do that together, but whatever. Dylan's like, mm-hmm. She breaks into your apartment, right? Pretends to be your dad. Weird. Then reroutes you to the woods, trying to get you to break and turn on us. And he was like, 
and we know that she thinks we killed Nolan. Kane's like, <laughs> she tried to blackmail us just like Nolan did. And it was like, at his funeral, she said she would do whatever it takes. Kane's like, stop, stop. Are we saying that Dana dressed up as a pig to scare you guys in the sewer? Because that's extreme. Also, she was out at Dylan's car giving him business cards. Yeah, it, so, could, it couldn't have been her in the pig man suit. She was outside I mean, the car. That's that's she had to really move through the mm. sewer to get get around. Anyway, Dylan's like, she just hit you with a car, Caitlin. Also, stay out in the middle of the road. Night. I, I see we're back to jumping to massive conclusions again. As you do. Um, and Ava's like, and what and whether it was Dana or one of her henchmen, her henchmen, she's playing with us. It's part of her sick, twisted game. And Dylan's like, and if we're right about this, Ava's like, we match her game. Ken's like, whatever it takes. And Ava and Dylan are like, whatever it takes. And Steve Rogers says, whatever it takes. It's very weird that this episode is written as long ago as it was. And it has like this weird, unintentional Avengers like line repeating thing in it. Whatever it takes. So whatever yeah, they're wrong place themselves. But they found a new suspect. They put everything on. They're just like the OG PLLs. This is like... I mean, like, bringing in Allison and Mona, it would be fantastic to actually see real, like, mentoring scenes. I think that could be fascinating. Like, that might be the way to get you past the the weirdness of, like, the three college kids hanging mm-hmm. out with faculty. Well, they, what should, maybe this will happen by the end of the season, it probably should have happened a long time ago, was they need to all experience something together that brings them closer and makes them a unit. And possibly mm-hmm. also like incriminates them all so that they have mm-hmm. to stick together. Like they needed something big to happen to them in like the first few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, this, this logic doesn't entirely hold up. I don't feel like um, like Dana could have done some of this stuff, but like she's not the pig man. I think her running over Caitlin to the car is pretty unlikely, mm-hmm. but they're just going with it. I mean, Dana comes off to me as like their weak ass Javert, but like really like it's like a longer game version of Mason. Like I think she's just yeah. the, you know, the red herring or whatever. Also there's no personal motivation. I mean, other than like getting at Ava as revenge for the Jalali case, whatever, like no one cares about their job as fucking much. It's not like she's in love with Claire Hotchkiss or like her and Claire go way back. And this is like a, a personal favor, like hunt down Claire's dead son. Yeah. It's killer. Anyway, so back to the trailer. Mona is still fucking there. It's got to be like midnight or something. Uh, she's looking at that list of the Hotchkiss family and there's uh, kind of a ringing noise and a new motion alert appears on screen. BH00005 is in motion. BH5, obviously, that's Nolan Hotchkiss. Whoa. Mona's eyes oh. widen in surprise. There's another beep and more info appears. Is that Mon- Mona Vanderwall's residence? And we hear Mona and ADR say, how could Nolan Hotchkiss be at my apartment? And kind of move closer and closer on her shocked face, and boom, credits. Oh, indeed, clones, pigman clones. And next week, dead week, yes, dead week. Next week, I believe that is a poly U written episode. Yep. Um, so as we find ourselves at the end, the new kind of new idea of what the show is about, it feels like it's kind of slowly morphing towards like this, like chopped and screwed PLL. Um, mm. it's they are being harassed by someone who thinks they know who killed Nolan. And it's like, Hmm, that kind of sounds like the last season and a half of PLL, which was mm-hmm. the exact plot. And it's weird that like of all the plots you'd go to, to PLL, that's probably like their least successful, like a scheme. Yeah. It never, mm-hmm. it never really works for me on PLL that like 
if you're a super genius with hyper reality and you want to know who killed someone, do you try to figure out on your own or spend all your time and, and resources and, and brilliant brain power fucking with some other people to try to get them to figure out who did it? You know? Yeah. Like it's no. just, it's always been a weird type of plot line. It's like, like the obvious answer is that like none of these three people know who did it. So you're wasting your time with them, you know? Well, once you figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but also it's crazy that like one of the motivations for a, that made the most sense was just like Mona was this adorable maniac who just liked playing with them like dolls. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and essentially it was just doing like psychological testing on them. It made the most sense. Um, I don't want to forget this. So I'm just going to bring it up now. It is a Paul U episode next week. It's a return of Arlene Sanford as director. Mm. Um, this is the one that Ashley Benson shadowed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at a picture and not only is Ava wearing another ridiculous, like this is almost like a Joan Collins red coat that she's wearing. Also, there's a scene in which Caitlin is just wearing like a tracksuit. Awesome. Well, I saw like in, the, in the promo, there's like some weird shit with cupcakes and there's a scene where like it's shirtless Jeremy and he kind of like tosses Caitlin down and stands over her like it's go time. Um, which I was just thinking, I wonder, like, are there people out there who are like super big, like Jeremy Caitlin shippers? How could you be, how could you manufacture that in six episodes? But yeah, I mean, they're going to play a game of sexual cricket. Um, the photo I I snapped earlier that you were asking about, is hilarious because it's just, it's in Mona's apartment. Mona's holding this giant box of cupcakes that she's offering to Dylan and she's got this goofy look on her face. And it just says on the cupcakes, can we be pals? <laughs> I, I'm dying to know what the context of this is, but I almost don't care because it's so wonderful. I, I assume that those cupcakes are left by whoever this Nolan Hotchkiss person is. Yes. Or <laughs> Mona just was like, I just stopped at the bakery and picked this up because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quirky. Yeah. All right, well, that was the end of Lost and Found. Um, I don't know what the ratings were for this. I know they were down again for five. I'm not sure what they were for six. Mm. Um, I guess we're probably not going to know if they renewed it till after the finale, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, they're they're not saying anything yet, so who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll cross our fingers. Uh, anyway. That was the episode. If you like sports podcasts, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. And uh, we are doing a book. we got a book coming out soon. It's called My Name is Trouble. You can go to mynameistrouble.com to find out more. I think we might have an excerpt soon if uh, I can find some spare time to do that. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on mynameistrouble.com, especially on, say, Monday. I think we can have something new up there. Uh, right now, cool. if you go there, there is a synopsis for the uh, kind of back page, book, back of the book, uh, kind of summary of what the book is about a little bit. We're very excited. It's a teen murder mystery. If you're into those, which you might be if you listen to this podcast, I think uh, that'd be something you'd enjoy. Mm-hmm. We don't have Guys, any reviews this week. You're going to enjoy it. I think so. Yeah. 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 Or we'll, we'll look like massive frauds, one of the two, you know. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Bound to happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool. Oh, you had, uh, did you have a theory about Nolan or clones or something? Oh, no, my theory is just Pigman was just like a, just like a mascot. Like, 
I'm no, waiting okay. for like the weird innocuous explanation for some of this shit. <laughs> our uh, our city college rivals, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Beacon Swine or whatever. Yeah, cool. <laughs> swine. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the episode. We'll be back next week. Bye bye. Bye.